listening to the bomb hole. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. Going to slide down in big hills. You know what I mean? On a big, nice burgundy snowboard. All right, here we go. Let's do this today. Welcome to the bomb hole, which is presented by Pub Beer. Now, we always kick this thing off the same way. Stony Buds, how are we doing? So good, my dog. God, that one sounded good. Did it? Yeah, it sounded nice. great. Now, to my left, we have Parker Zumowski in the booth. Parker Zoom, how are we doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on here. I'm stoked to be here. We are happy to have you in the booth, Parker. Now, I'm going to do a little brief intro for people that are unfamiliar with Parker Zoom. Uh, he's originally an East Coaster. He just turned pro for K2, which we'll get into. Uh, he's the winner of one of the most prestigious events in all of snowboarding, Last Call. He's what some would say your favorite snowboarder's favorite snowboarder. And he's also uh, a Masshole. He's originally from Massachusetts. So why don't we start there, Parker? Newburyport. How was it growing up in the North Shore? Um, great place to grow up. It's it's absolutely beautiful. Um, and for me, it was ideal because there was a skate park in my hometown. The ocean was about 10 minutes away. And there's like a whole bunch of small ski resorts pretty close by and then um, a handful of bigger resorts up in New Hampshire, about a two hours drive away. So it was awesome. Surf, skate, snow. Had it all. Newbury Skate Park's got a big old ball too, right? Yep. Yeah, big concrete skate park. Um, yeah. Like Is the surf pretty legit over there? Um, yeah, when it gets good. It, I wouldn't say it's as, like, consistent. Are we as, talking, like, when it gets good? Does that mean, like, a hurricane's coming? or? Yeah, it's usually, like, yeah. a hurricane <laughs> or a nor'easter. Um but there's always random random storms Waves. in between that yeah provide. Cool. Well, when I think of Newburyport, I think of the token uh, down rail that people come from far and wide to session. And that's, uh, you grew up right down the street from that thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I kind of moved around a good amount in Newburyport, like lived in a couple different places. But for m the most of my high school years, I lived, um, actually like middle school and high school, I lived right down the street from that rail. It's called the Mal. Um, it's basically just a pond with a couple hills leading into it. And on one side, there's a, there's a big 30 set down rail. And on the other side, there's an 18. So yeah, I kind of just grew up probably first street spot I ever hit was the 18 and then eventually hit the 30 and yeah, crazy that that's there and ran into a couple people hitting it before. I think Chris was one of them with you Mike. You bumped and into him in the wild? <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't quite remember if, uh, like, I went up and said what's up, but uh, I, I probably did. I definitely saw them there and was, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, he didn't leave much of an impression, I take it, huh, if you don't really remember. <laughs> you don't really remember bumping into this guy. I mean, yeah, I was, I think, probably pretty shy and, um, you know, didn't, I probably didn't know who they were exactly at the time. Um, I maybe knew, I think Mike was there, Mike Ravelson. Um so, I mean, oh, Rav was kind of a le lejunde. Le Leyunda. Leyunda. Sure. Leyunda At Spanish, that time. Sure. In that spot, huh? I mean, actually, honestly, I definitely knew who you guys were, like, if I knew who, like, name-wise it was. Um, but, yeah, either way, just crazy to, like, run into people hitting it. And there was already, like, kids who were older than me, like, a couple grades above me that had hit it. And, like, so I kind of always just wanted to hit it and 
to see some professional snowboarders come from out of town was um, pretty eye-opening to just like kind of legitimize the spot. Now you're you're from Massachusetts, but you kind of sharpened your teeth uh, riding in New Hampshire at a young age. Yeah, most mostly in New Hampshire. Um, kind of grew up going to some small resorts in Massachusetts, and then eventually. Which ones? Sorry to interrupt you. Um, m- most notably, I'd say like I basically like learned how to snowboard or like or like cut my teeth kind of like at Bradford. It's like no, a what super respect. small. Super small hill, and that's where I took, I think, like, some of my first snowboard lessons, and there was an after-school program that I attended there, um, so it was always night skiing, and, uh, yeah, super, uh, I don't want to call it a janky park, but there's, like, some janky features, like an old rusty school bus that was just kind of planted, and there's, like, a kind of a jump over it, um, and it was definitely, like, a liability, I would say. That's uh, an OG park feature. Yeah, the school bus bus for sure. But yeah, there's this guy who like worked the parks there that I just always, for some reason, remember. I don't remember his name, but he was just always chewing on a cigar. It was never lit. He was just always chewing on it. But I just remember he was the park dude. And yeah, I just lapped the park there like endlessly. So, And then, uh, you know, one thing you mentioned, I don't know, we're probably jumping ahead, but let's just do it. Because you said that your first sponsor was Loon Mountain. Yeah, and now that you say it, and I, I do, I did say that, but I think my first sponsor was actually Eastern Border. Okay. Um, yeah, I believe so. I, I'm pretty sure I brought a, I actually brought a sponsor me tape into Eastern Border Dam. Ah, good old days. Probably with my mom, you know, uh, and maybe a friend. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, after after that, um, I was super psyched to get hooked up by Eastern Border, and, you know, get some shop tees and stickers and stuff. And then uh, probably after that was was Loon, and uh, yeah, I, that was that was just really cool because I got a phone call while I was in high school, like in class, and um, Brian Norton called me and like offered me the opportunity to yeah like ride at Loon or like get a free pass, and yeah, that was huge. And did he ask you a funny question? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, when I I forget what time of year he gave me that call. I, I want to say it was uh, maybe just before winter in the fall. And so when I went up there to get my pass when the mountain opened, uh, went up into the office, and, like, the one question he asked me prior to giving me the pass was uh, if I could name all the members in the Wu-Tang Clan. And uh, <laughs> I was like, I thought it was so funny. And uh, I, the guy at Loon asked you this. Yeah, yeah. Like he needed that for his pass. <laughs> the 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 park manager. And if you got it wrong, no pass. <laughs> I think like yeah, but I definitely. Can you did. name them all? Uh, I named probably about five of them. Um, even to this day, Stone, can you name them? All? I would like to think so. Do you want to try it? And I'll pull I, it up. I can yeah, try. yeah. Give it a try. I think I want to say that I probably named like the Jizza, the Rizza. Raekwon, inspect a deck. But yeah, I, I don't think I I, I know uh, I know I fell short at the time. You forgot Method Man. Method Man. Old dirty bastard. Yep. How many? We I at? think now I could at? do it. Like, How many? We it, at? Yeah. But Capadonna. Yep. Um. You said inspect a deck. So that's so. All of them. Yeah. No no no. I don't think so. There, there's ten total. There's yeah. ten. Yep. But uh, there's kind of like I feel like there's two or three. 
kind of affiliate affiliate you know yep. but i yeah. guess like when you look up the list it's because capadonna you know. was like in jail when they put out the first album I think. right yeah yeah it's definitely um the only yeah. ones i knew there's 10 I, total the ones i just remember saying is like the jizza and the rizza those are the ones i like for sure knew <laughs> but i i was like i don't know all of them like i can tell you the ones i do know you did pretty <laughs> good though the ones that you listed and uh and he gave me the pass, yeah. I forget. I think I'm forgetting one. You guys want me to rip through them? Yeah, let's rip through them. Let's hear it. Um, RZA, Jizza, Inspector Deck, You God, Ghostface Killer, mm-hmm. Method Man, Raekwon, Master Killer, Capadonna, Old Dirty Bastard. We missed Bastard. Master Killer. We missed like three. Ghostface maybe even That's two. actually, I I bet there most people would not get that, right? Master oh, Killer and You God, I feel like would always slip by. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, You God. I think he was in jail for a little bit in the beginning too. Yeah. So to keep it keep things moving along, you we got into uh, you know I was doing some research last night. I saw the Parker Zumowski. I think was that your sponsor me tape, the one that just says Parker Zumowski on YouTube. Yeah, I think that was that might have been the one I brought into Eastern Border. You're serving up back lips and the baggy ass kit. He's looking. <laughs> the kid's looking good. Yeah. And then Route Nine stumped, mm-hmm. uh, which was legendary. Uh, part with Cole Navin and yourself, <coughs> Bar D, I think, in there. D, yep. Um, yeah. How was that? Was like I feel like your first real video part, and that's an East Coast classic. Yeah, yeah. It was like uh, it was super cool getting to, um, getting to like ride or like just getting to know like Bar and Cole and and Eli Olson who filmed and edited that video. Shout out to Eli. Um, because we were kind of just all on the same page. We all just, like, wanted to snowboard and um, wanted to film some stuff um, and kind of were just, like, willing to to do whatever it took, I guess. They they kind of had, like, a lot of spots. I would always end up driving to their area, which is more central mass, like uh, Grafton and Worcester area or Boston to hit some spots. Um, but, yeah, it was just cool because we all just wanted to do the same thing and we were in high school and so we'd just kind of link up every weekend and every time it snowed and, and try and film street stuff. And if we weren't doing that, then we'd go up to Waterville or Loon and, and try and film like a park edit. So love that. Well, we happen to have a guest question from none other than bar D let's hit this one. Hey Parker bar here. Wanted to know what motivated you during the Plymouth days to wake up at the crack of dawn after criminal nights of partying and making sure we always got to the mountain I uh, thank you for that, and I wouldn't trade those days for the world. Solid question. Yeah, great question. Um, great memories. Rooming with Barr uh, my freshman year in Plymouth was, uh, like, best times of my life. Um, <clears throat> motivation behind waking up at, like, 8 a.m. every weekend day was, I don't know. I guess uh, I just really wanted to snowboard as much as I could at Plymouth. The reason I went there was to snowboard. Um and was inspired by, like, how many professional snowboarders had came out of Plymouth. So it just meant a lot to me, I guess, to, like, ride as much as possible. And uh, also, at the time, I just, like, wasn't really getting hungover. So I'd just kind of wake up with still a little buzz going and (laughs) take, like, a handful of Advil and just, like, wake bar up and be like, we got to go snowboarding and just take my Subaru up to Loon. How, did, how does that change when you're a kid? It's just like you just I think it's get blacked just out, and then you you you're good. But then that's that's that has an expiration date. I yeah, think, at a certain point, then. for sure, for sure. And I always thought that was super interesting, like because at a certain point, like 
riding hungover felt really good or maybe not fully hungover but after a night of partying um and we wouldn't like drink alcohol in the morning or anything like it was just riding the buzz i guess from the night before but yeah sometimes you like are looser and you're like you're less um i don't know stiff and pissed i guess and you're just like ready to like learn some shit or try some shit and like scare yourself or like not realize you're scaring yourself kind of deal absolutely you might get a case Um, of the case of the fuck it's i call it yeah yeah it kind of like i think like there was like a dustin dolan quote or something about like like learning tricks when you're hungover or something and uh that i remember hearing at one point that i was like damn like i yeah i feel that like sometimes like in those years when i would snowboard i felt like i would just be like so on it and i don't know on the weekends totally there's definitely that thing when you got that little hangover and you're like you're hitting a big jump and you're just like yeah fuck it i'll hit it yeah yeah just feeling loose feeling ready, ready to ride and like feeling i don't know attached to your snowboard you know just feeling like it's part like another limb of your body now, I got to ask you, too, because uh, Barr brought up a story, and this is not in chronological because I think this is this clip's in rendered useless in your part, mm-hmm. but you do a back 50 on a, it's kind of a creeper rail, like um, kink rail, and <coughs> Barr told me that you stayed up all night partying and didn't go to sleep and then back 50 that in the morning. Damn. I'm, I'm not sure which, cl- which clip, honestly. In Plymouth, in town? In town, kink. Is Bar actually his first name? Yes. Yeah, Bar Dadon. Bar Dadon. Yeah. He said, I think. That's his his the um, f- the whole name is Bar Dadon. Yeah. Yeah. Sick name. I don't know what his middle name is actually, but yeah, straight from Israel. Ah, okay. Yeah. Let's give an air horn. Yeah. So you don't remember this clip? I love Bar. You fifty a rail a king so in really Plymouth, and you apparently. Legend has it. Um, yeah, I don't know. We can kind of freestyle this one out of my memory, I guess, but. Uh, yeah, I, I I do remember this one clip in Plymouth. I fifty I back fiftyed this kink rail uh, at a church in Plymouth. It's kind I of an alleyway. Always wanted to hit. Yeah, yep. it's it's kind of like a flat down, flat down or something. Yeah, long flats, and uh, kind of lands in like an alleyway. Um, I did. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I guess I might have stayed up all night before, but my memory of it is just like. Basically, like, waking up with Jacob before class to go do this because it was, like, a super busty spot. And we were, like, town super quiet at, like, 6 a.m. right when the sun's coming up. And, uh, yeah, we're going to try and go do this. And it, it maybe took, like, we maybe tried one day and it didn't work and went back another day. I can't exactly recall, but, yeah. We'll have to we'll have to fact check we'll, with yeah, Jacob we'll, Howell. But we'll, he, we'll have to. Rumor has call. it you stayed up partying all night and did that. I wouldn't put it past myself. <laughs> I love that he has no memory of it. Yeah. That's amazing. That means well, he was probably real hungover. Well, yeah. I mean, faded. I remember hitting the rail, and I remember like basically it was right across the street from Biederman's or mm-hmm. Chase Chase Street or whatever. Um, so you know, I did it, and I was like, "Fuck, this is so sick!" Like Jacob and I just like walked across the street and like got Gatorade and then went to class. Dope. That's a great story. Now, you kind of breezed over, um, you know, meeting Cole, meeting Bardi. Um, you know, it seemed like you guys kind of became a crew for a number of years after that. Uh, how how did your did, did those guys, like, kind of elevate your snowboarding to get you more hyped on it? How was it when you met those guys? Yeah, for sure. Um, I was already uh, filming snowboarding um, 
with some friends that I had met through riding loon. Um, like, uh, and we were making park edits and stuff, but when it came to, I guess like hitting street spots and stuff, I felt like I'd done some of that and filmed some of that, but, uh, hadn't found anybody who was like, like, let's film a street part or like, let's make a movie. Um, so I feel like, I don't know, once I, once we met and we were like filming at the resort a little bit and figuring out that we all like really liked spending time with each other and, and like worked well together. Um, I was probably just after like one winter of riding Then it was mm-hmm. like, let's like make a movie. Like why not? You know, and like Eli was so like obviously ahead of his like years filming and stuff. It w- we just felt like it was stupid not to or something we're like well you know not everybody um i don't know has like just this group of friends who are like kind of dedicated to just make this happen and then also just know that like the guy filming and editing it is going to make it like look legit or whatever so like that was just like a good feeling it was a really good feeling to like meet all of them and and be like it just like felt like the right place right time type of Mm -hmm. situation you guys beat down some central mass spots. Uh, but l- let's fast forward to Plymouth Plymouth days because, um, mm-hmm. and in regards to Plymouth days, I don't know if this is chronological. Who gives a shit what order this is in? We don't, we don't do that. But I'm really excited to hear your answer. Uh, this is a question from Mike Rav, a.k.a. Ravioli. Here we go. Hey, Parker, this is Mike. So I got a question. Um, I was wondering if you could run us through your time living um, at the Hamlet and where you lived. And where you were sleeping, how many spiders do you think that you have eaten in your sleep? <laughs> and then uh, if you got some time on there, maybe maybe uh, run us through The Dark Forest, which is a famous painting by <laughs> none other than Parker himself. Okay, see you guys. Yep. Uh, thank you for the question, Mike. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, The Hamlet was uh, this house that Mike Ravelson, Christian Buehling, Colton Feldman, Cole Martin, <clears throat> and Johnny O'Connor all rented. Um, I think just after they all graduated, um, Plymouth State. And uh, at that point, I was mm, a sophomore, I think, uh, at Plymouth. And, you know, kind of teetering on the edge, I guess, of not really wanting to be in school anymore. Um as I was just becoming more and more drawn to pursuing snowboarding. And um, I think I'd taken, like, the previous spring semester off to snowboard, went back to school in the fall, and then kind of rendered useless, started to um, become a real thing for that winter. And um, I realized that I had the opportunity to film a full part and felt like it would be best if I wasn't in school. And so kind of just like convinced my parents that, uh, I didn't want to be going to school anymore. Um, and I don't know, I think, uh, like looking back, I'm sure that they were like, this is like so whack of our kid to do kind of like we need him to go to school or whatever. But, um, I don't know. I like, uh, was very adamant about it working and, um, before going to school, I really wanted to take a year off. So that was kind of like my argument. Like you guys didn't let me take this time to like dedicate myself to pursuing this. And so I'm going to go ahead and drop out of school and 
take this opportunity. So that's what led me to, yeah, living at the Hamlet. Kind of sorry for that oh, roundabout. But good um, yeah, so you dropped out of school. So I dropped out of school, and those guys had just graduated, and I had become friends with them just through going to Plymouth and riding at Loon. And, um, and how many spiders crept into your mouth? Yeah, so I was living under the stairs. It was like a double, uh, a two-story house. Broom, broom closet scenario from what I hear. Yeah, it was Harry Potter-esque, but it was smaller. It was like Children it was like stairs. a four-by-four four cube right next to the front door, like right as you open the door to your right. Uh, you know, it would come up to like your like torso or something at most. There was like a little curb getting into it, and it was just wide enough to fit like a twin, a shitty little twin mattress in, kind of like bent up up the walls a little bit. Wow. And then a taco. Uh, yeah, a little taco bed. And then and then there was kind of like a wall in the middle. Um like it was straight down and then the stairs were to the left. And so there was kind of like two storage spots under the stairs next to like my mattress. So I kind of just like kept all my clothes under there and uh I don't think I ever had like a door or like a sheet or anything. I just remember my feet getting mad cold when people would open the door. <laughs> now, uh, your feet hang right out too because it's only four feet. No, no, no. Uh, I would say four by four, as bit. in like the hole. Gotcha. So, but it was close. It was like a six foot deep. Yeah, no light got in here. This is a dreary little spot, huh? I might have like wired up some sort of lighting scenario, but yeah, it was mostly just a place for for sleeping. Uh, well, you, good you still, I, you, you need to answer the question yeah, about keep, the spiders. Yeah, the spiders. How many do you think? I don't know. Ate? It's hard to say. I was sleeping. Um, you know, <laughs> Mike, good chances are I was sleeping with my mouth open. And you ever catch Good any? chances are there was a lot of spiders living under the stairs. Yeah, so. Mike Grav made it sound like you ate so many spiders, you actually didn't really need to eat on a regular basis. <laughs> you were just, just kind of regularly like, hammering spiders. <laughs> I definitely, yeah, probably wasn't eating on a regular basis. But uh, You think you were like full, like a lot of protein content because of the spiders? or Most likely. I mean, insects are probably going to be our next like form of food. So it's <laughs> just, just ahead of the curve. So, do you think the key to like a good McTwist is eating a lot of spiders? Yeah, for sure. Okay, for sure. Solid. Yeah. Uh, there's also, um, did he have a part he had two? A second part. Oh, it was about a painting. A painting. painting of a forest, black uh, yeah, forest. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, the forest. I don't know what the hell he's talking about with that. Yeah, chain I'm, forest. I'm not much of a painter, um, but uh, I don't know. At, at one point, or like spending a lot of time with Mike, he's such a creative guy and he's just always making something, whether it be. Painting, drawing, um, music, whatever. Um, so I'd always like, I'd always, you know, try and make my stuff. Uh, but I, yeah, I made this one painting and it was just like uh, on a white canvas and it was just a couple of black trees with, uh, I don't know, some lines through it or something. I, I actually took a photo of it while I was just just home recently, sent it to Mike because <laughs> it's like a, I don't know, it's an inside joke. He's always bringing it up. Uh, I, <laughs> he's always like, it's, it's a, the dark forest. Like it's amazing. It's a like masterpiece. And I'm, just, I'm like, it's definitely not. But all right. Like, well, but, but he also uses it as a metaphor. I think in a lot of ways. Uh, I don't know. Like if you're in a that or like if you <laughs> get lost, like or something, or feel lost or something. I don't know. Refer to the what dark mind forest. state were you in? And you painted that out of curiosity. I don't know. I uh, hmm. I don't know. Probably some sort of altered mind state. Okay. Say is likely. 
Well, uh, you know what? Let's just, I think we should dive right into that. And we were, I've been talking to Parker a little bit about this, but I think that, you know, in snowboarding, um, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Well, you can do it clear headed. You can do it with altered mind states or hung over and kind of like loose or whatever. But I feel like uh, a lot of times you're, we'll just say you're feeling good out there. Um, you're feeling potentially altered. Uh, how does that affect your, you know, how do you, how do you feel like that makes your, your riding? Um, I don't know. Shitty um, question, but. I, yeah, no, I, I get what you're trying to say. Are you though. trying I to think say, does riding in an altered state make your riding more fun? Is that what you're yeah, writing? basically. Yeah. What well, better? Good summary, bud. Yeah. 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 No, I, I like that. Uh, summarization of it. Like, <laughs> I feel like, uh, there, there's, you know, it's all circumstantial. It's situational. Um, but yeah, like I think doing whatever you got to do to ensure that like you're uh, one having fun and two like you know maybe looking at things a new way um, has always been important to me. Um, you know, and there's also a difference between like riding the resort and maybe like hitting a crazy street spot. Um, and that yeah, you know, it's like one you're like you know making sure that you have fun and like are still obviously like. I don't know, performing at a certain level. And then on the other hand, like on a street spot, you're maybe like kind of a little bit more clenched and feeling like you maybe are at risk of hurting yourself pretty seriously. So you want to um, kind of be really sharp and, and be on point with uh, uh, calculating your risk that you're taking. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, but that being said, I think that like, well, yeah, like riding the resort and like having a good time and like, you know, having a couple beers or being in an altered state is just like, uh, I don't know, something that I feel like is kind of a part of snowboarding in a way, like kind of a, I feel like, I guess those like, uh, all those like East Coast contests and stuff like growing up, there was always this sense of like, just kind of like let loose and have fun. Um, and not so much like take it super seriously and like, or like, you know, it was never just about like, I don't know, being there to win or something. There was like such a good community about a lot of the events I grew up going to. Um, and they were all centered around like bringing people together and, uh, and having a good time first and foremost. So I think that like, I just take a little bit of that with me everywhere. Um, and yeah, I like to just always have fun. I like to have a good time on his board. I think if you're not having fun at shows, right? percent, People's writing for sure. I like, I think it's a cool topic. Definitely growing up. That's funny. You say that going back to like last call you hear, you know, it, it definitely, especially younger days. I don't know if it still is like this for sure, but it felt like, uh, you know, the winner hopefully was somebody who partied hard at the bar before and after, or like the night before night after the contest. And also, um, you know, killed it on the hill that day. And, right. and they're definitely, I do like what you're saying too. There's that kind of negative connotation against the, you know, somebody who's maybe takes it too seriously and, and treats it like it's a job or whatever else. Yeah. Um, I mean, to, to each their own too. Cause you know, whatever works for you is, you know, what you got to do. And, um, I don't know if there, I think just, uh, maybe like the people who, had won the event prior to me it made an impression on, on me of like, I don't know. I've heard the saying, like, it doesn't count if you weren't drunk or something like winning to like win last call. I don't think I was necessarily 
drunk, but I might have been slightly intoxicated. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't know. But just like, I don't know, it, super cool just uh, community around the events there. And, uh, yeah, like I said, just like a lot of people getting together to have a good time. And, uh, yeah, it was super That's fun. a prestigious event. Let's get right into that. Let's talk about winning last call. Yeah. How was that? How was that day? Uh, what year was this? That was crazy. 2016, I think. Yeah, March of 2016. Um, mm, crazy, crazy, yeah. Probably the first time that I did the event that I felt like I like mm, could hit all the features and was like comfortable doing it all. Um, definitely did it a couple years prior and felt um, pretty intimidated or uh, like it just wasn't something that I could see myself ever doing that good in, I guess. Um so yeah, super special day. Just kind of um, a lot of uh, three or four of my friends had won it the years leading up to that. I think maybe like Merrick Joyce won it, and then Nick Doucette won it, and Tyler Larue won it. Um, Airhorns for all those, of those are for guys. All of them. That was a super of Airhorn. That was the one for super all, all for uh, inspirational and um, yeah. So it just uh, felt like I don't know. I I was probably like. 20-ish and was just feeling like I could go for it. It was just like hike, just like hike as much as I can and keep my head down and keep trying to land tricks and and have fun. And uh, there was a quarter pipe and I had just started to learn McTwist and that was kind of like my goal was to do a McTwist and yeah, it was, it was a great day. That's a huge contest for people in the East too because especially once they got rid of the U.S. Open, Mm-hmm. The U.S. Yeah. Open used to be on the East Coast. They got rid of the U.S. Open. Really, that's it. Like yeah, when the U.S. Open was at Stratton, it was the same thing. Like it was right. about like Sean Palmer. He'd party the night before, party right after he won, party that night. It was like yeah, the yeah. same vibe. So it's cool that this contest took over. Dude, and, left and off. And you're in the you're within the likes of you know uh, oh. Chaz Guldemans won. Right. I, I feel like Jacques Berrios done really well. I'm sure like mm-hmm. Chris Rotax. I can't remember all the. East, I think Rotax. Stevens Stevens has done really well at last call. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Pat Moore's done really well, but it's like it's definitely an East Coast uh, pride kind of contest. We just went back for sure. Super fun for sure. Yeah, that looked super fun. Uh, I was jealous you guys were there this year. Um, it looked classically like the weather was really shitty. Yeah, slushy for. It, Slushy for four days straight. Four, actually, I'll say riding Loon for those four days was my favorite uh, day of the like block of time for the whole winter. Yeah, and then uh, day of contest, negative fucking thirty, pure ice, and oh, it was like, all slush. E- and then everybody, everybody's getting in the mix. I got in the mix. I was like chucking <laughs> on the jumps. I couldn't get in the on the steel. It was too dangerous. But <laughs> it's it's great. Like, the energy is amazing, and and yeah. that's another thing too. Uh, I wanted to talk about is growing up riding dog shit conditions on the east. Do you think that made your your riding better? I don't know. It's hard to say. Uh, when I think of, I don't know that comment. I think of like the kids who rode with like Bill, um, and like the water, Bill, the, the you're water about Bill, Bill Enos, Bill yeah. Enos, and like the Waterville program because they were like actually kind of, I don't know, just going like every day, no matter what. It was like you do your your progressive jump practice, kind of. It's like front three, back three, cab three, switch back three. Back five, front five, cab five. You know, like just go through the motions, and like it didn't really matter what the conditions were, and I think that was just like instilled in them, and that. Uh, but 
I guess for me, I, I, I don't know. Like I, I enjoyed riding all conditions and I don't think I really like made myself <laughs> do anything too crazy when the conditions were like fucking terrible. But, um, it definitely like gave me a lot of like, uh, appreciation for when the conditions were good. And I think that's something that I still have to this day, but, um, yeah, the East coast is icy. Totally. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's another thing uh, we should definitely talk about too. Is your in in your riding? The thing that's really cool too is take you know most people are like maybe a jibber or a jumper or he's a pow guy or you kind of get pigeonholed and you know every time I was talking to your friends or people you know preparing for this podcast. It's it's like a really common topic when you talk about Parker. Oh, you can't really put him in a category. He's kind of an all-terrain vehicle. He's like he's a true snowboarder. And Cole Naven was saying that too. He's like Cole's like I just wanted to go to a spot and do a trick on a rail and like Parker wanted to snowboard. Like mm-hmm. whether it's on the resort or on a street rail, just like kind of beat down whatever's in front of him. Uh, do you have any like insight on your approach to that? I mean, I don't know how uh I don't know how I landed on on the decision to want to ride on everything, but uh, I think that maybe growing up skating and surfing has like some sort of impact on it, and um, both of those activities really influence the way I ride my snowboard and like vice versa, really. So I just like draw a lot of inspiration from the other things that I do, and and I like to think that like it just makes it more interesting, like. Just in general in life, I don't really like to, like, box myself into any sort of one specific certain label. Um, and, yeah, like, you know, I've spent most of my snowboarding, I feel like, doing street stuff. But um, ever since spending time in Utah, I've been super um, excited about spending more time in the backcountry. And um, that's super fun. And riding the resort is super fun. And, yeah, I don't know. I like to get a piece of everything, I guess. And always looking to like learn new things and on on snow and off all right we're gonna take a little break here and talk about some bubs collagen protein chris i know you got a fresh injury what you got going yeah well jones i just uh, obliterated my shoulder uh just completely completely exploded this thing and i've been chugging collagen protein powder in shake form i've been putting in the coffee i've been trying to get as much down the gullet as i can to come back from this injury because i know you shattered both your legs, and I heard you were chugging Bub's collagen protein to get back. Yeah, I started chugging. I've been consistent on it for two years now, and like it will do to your collarbone, you keep that going, keep it ingesting it, it's going to glue those bones back together. It did my legs for sure. They were in lots of pieces, um, my right one specifically, and I avoided two surgeries that the surgeon wanted to do um, just by taking bubs and getting that bone to grow and getting some material in there so it could remodel and do its thing. So I'm backing it. Lubes me up. Um, my gut's solid. I like it. The stuff's it. proper. Well, the thing is, too, we're just a couple old war dogs out there, a couple right. old battle dogs trying to trying to stay in one piece. And sometimes you need a little you need a little collagen to do that. And I know that. A lot of our listeners are probably in the same boat. They're, uh, you know, basically a lot of a lot of Baja miles on these chassis. So if you want to keep going, get yourself some Bubs Naturals. Ten uh, percent of all profits go to charity, which is really cool. It's a company owned by a snowboarder named Sean Lake, so that's huge. Snowboarders supporting snowboarders, 
And lastly, if you want to pick some up, head on over to bubsnaturals.com. Use promo code BOMBHOLE for 15% off. Again, all lowercase BOMBHOLE for 15% off at bubsnaturals.com. Okay, so Parker, one thing, we talked about the crew a little bit and altered, well, say altered mind states. I want to get back into that shit because I think that's really fun conversation piece with what we got going on. And, you know, if you look at, when I look at your your guys' approach, right, there's there's kind of, in snowboarding, there's a, a, bunch, a bunch of different methods, but maybe let's just take the contest scene. A lot of people that are maybe in the half pipe contest circuit or something. They, maybe they take snowboarding really seriously that, you know, you work out, you go to the gym and you you're fo- laser focus and you kind of have to be to do that stuff. But when I look at your guys's crew, um, you know, with, with your guys's whole squad, the energy is crazy. And you look at, it's, it's like, you know, people are maybe in a van and they're having beers. Maybe somebody's eating a handful of mushrooms. Maybe somebody's smoking weed. There's a lot of things happening, but there's also, you guys are making music and art and snowboarding and skating and fucking shit up. And it's like kind of this like, it's a totally different vibe than, you know, I got to take things seriously. And I, I just wanted to see if you want to elaborate on on your guys' scene a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, uh, I feel like everybody who's like had like a good crew of homies or whatever has can maybe relate to uh kind of what i'm trying to describe here but like like a feeling that i would get um early plymouth days when i first started to ride and hang out with um just like the keep the change guys in general for the most part um you know whenever i would like hop in their car to go to the mountain or like you know go on uh any sort of adventure with them it was just this like this feeling or this sense of like being invincible and uh and i feel like that's really special um and i I was like younger than them and looked up to them and so that probably played a part in it but it was almost this feeling that like everybody felt invincible and like we were unstoppable and like yeah you you know (laughs) and i feel like we just like joke about that like you couldn't stop us if you stopped us, you know, and, and, yeah. <laughs> and that's like, uh, I guess that's a feeling I've always tried to like recreate in a sense of like, Oh, of course, like, you know, with different groups of friends and just kind of like create that sense of like, we're just like together, you know, at this point in time and like, we're going to go like ride or we're going to go create this or like, and just kind of like trying to like live in the moment, I guess is really what it comes down to. And, and, uh, I don't know, just sometimes there's that certain feeling with a group of people that, like, you all are in the right place at the right time, and it's that feeling of, like, being invincible. And that's, uh, yeah, it's, like, a special thing, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Especially when people are uh, feeling types of ways, we'll call it altered, altered mindsets, and you're all together, and you're flying off of cliffs, and, like... Yeah, yeah, you're hitting, yeah, can, pushing each other. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's certain things that can, I feel like, amplify it. Um, and, like, everybody's, uh, I guess, got, like, their vices, you could say, or something. Or, like, whatever, you know, makes you feel like you're in the moment and living it to the fullest. Then then, uh, then do your thing. Like, You know, we had a good conversation last night talking about this stuff, too. And, and a lot of people... There, when you talk about yourself, you know, I, I feel like you're somebody who's really present in the moment. You live, you live in the, in the present moment. And there's a lot of things these days that take you out of the present moment. 
that for sure. are, are there to kind of just anxiety inducing uh the mo i call it the mobile stress device that we keep in our pocket at all times for sure yeah um, <laughs> and and it seems like you're somebody who's not really about that life from an outsider looking in yeah i uh I, I don't know. You know, it's kind of like a love-hate relationship with, like, my phone in general. <laughs> like, I, I can totally, like, agree with you on just, like, mobile stress, like, device. It's, it's uh, it can be stressful sometimes, I guess. Um, but it's also just, like, yeah, it takes you out of the moment. It distracts you. Um, and I think, like, we can all relate to being distracted by our phones at this point in time um, and can... I don't know. I think everybody can acknowledge that it's like probably better for your own mental and physical health probably to spend less time on your phone. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, it's not my favorite thing to do, but it's important. It's, it's, uh, it's how, I don't know. It's, it seems like it's how like our industry kind of works at the moment is to use social media as a marketing tool. Um, as magazines and print have kind of faded away. Um, but I don't know. I think, um, I think it could be like reevaluated because I just don't think it's good for anybody <laughs> Person personally. I don't know. Like, I'm not saying I don't use Instagram. I obviously do. And I want to do good by the brands that support me, of course. But sometimes it feels, uh, feels like it's, uh, I don't know, working against itself or something. Or like everybody knows it's not good for you to spend time on it, but they want you to post more. <laughs> and it, which basically means spending more time on the app in my eyes, kind of so, or like having other people spend more time on the app, you know? And, and if it's just not a beneficial thing for your mental or physical health, then I don't know. It's just a, I don't know. It's a good thing to think about, I think. And something I, I think I was telling you last night when we spoke was just like, I think at least for the past three or four years, probably a couple times a year, I just like delete Instagram for, for at least a week, you know, as long as I can, can make it. But it's such a, it's so intertwined with our life and communication at this point. It's definitely, I don't know, it's hard. These and days it's built into your contract. Maybe I too, right? yeah, maybe I sound like I'm addicted no. to it, but I think I speak for a lot more than just myself when I say that, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good to wake up and crank your neck and scroll on Instagram for like 20 minutes. No, it's horrible. And then you're like, you're like, oh, wait, fuck, like, I got to get out of bed and like get on with my day or something, you know, like, I don't know. Is the feed really that important? I, I don't know. But I also think I love, I love this topic because I think it's, it's a common, it's easy to get sucked into the scroll hole or your phone. Your phone is just like, I remember I'll be like, Oh, I got to email somebody on my phone or whatever. And like, and then I'll just 40 minutes go by and I forgot about the email. Yeah, and I never scrolled. sent email, and, never, and I'm like, wait, what was it? What did I pull my phone out to do? And I think that that's like probably I'm, I don't imagine we're the only people that experience that. And an interesting thing that's that's um, I just want to add to that is I have this thing called a five minute journal, and sometimes I go on uh, stints where I'm pretty good about writing in it. Mm -hmm. And so you write like five things that you want or three things you want to do that day, three things you're grateful for, and then at night what you write is um, a couple things, but one of them is what could I have done better with my day. And the number one thing in, if you go through my five minute journal, like all through all the pages is like, not look at my phone so much. <laughs> yeah. Not, and, and it's like fucking gee, and like, and then, but you're like, you know that. And then like next day, what do I do? Fucking look at my phone all day. Yeah. And it's, it's just a good um, thing to be conscious of. And I, I kind of think For about sure. like how like simpler times 
it must have been before these things existed. You know, like I mean, we all we lived before cell phones yeah, were it was nice. It was not like it's not as much easier. Much easier. No one could even contact you if you're a young <laughs> kid out there. You know, your parents couldn't get a hold of you. It seems like it seems like worlds away. You know, mm-hmm. it's like oh, like people did all this without cell phones, but I don't know. So, so like sometimes I think about <clears throat> the fact that like you know we almost discredit ourselves. You know, we don't we maybe don't think we're as smart as we are or something. You know, we kind of rely on our phones so much now. Uh, we need all these apps. To and I, I'm no, I'm no excuse for sure. Um, but it's definitely a good thing to like. I feel like keep tabs on and just realize that, you know, maybe the more dependent we come on certain technology, the less, uh, I don't know, the less able future generations will be to fend for themselves without technology or something. You know, and I don't know if that's extreme, but kind of makes sense in my head. I've heard there's a new trend of young kids that think people are crazy for posting how they feel every minute on their phone between Twitter and Instagram, and they're not using it like, let's say, we do. Right. They're maybe just looking at it. People like people are putting their ads on there now, so there's this group yeah. of kids that are just like, well, you guys are crazy, man. You post everything about yourself on the phone, yeah. and there's kids that are getting away from it, so maybe that'll become a trend. But probably yeah. not. Yeah. Well, it's it's like anything. It it, it just it, it's if you really look at what it's doing, it's like it's like fucking crank the you know when you go to Vegas and you pull the slot machine. Yeah, it's like that. You're like cranking it, and then you know every time you get a like, you get a little dopamine hit. Every time yeah. you get a message, oh somebody messaged me, cool. Uh, every time you get a, oh you, sure. you post a comment and you, you you're resetting yeah. it to see. You know, you post a photo, resetting it. Hopefully, maybe yeah, somebody comment. Oh, yeah, how many did comment? I get oh, did I not? I feel like if anybody who has Instagram, and I guess it's way different. It's different for everybody, but to a certain degree, especially I feel like within snowboarding, or if you're within an, a certain industry and you feel like you need to promote yourself, and obviously it's become very apparent that Instagram is maybe the best tool for that these days. Yeah, you like if if you're not saying you don't like if you're saying you don't get a dopamine rush from i guess like checking your likes and stuff i feel like you're lying to yourself because i i think it's just (laughs) like i think it's a i think it's a human it's like a just a chemical reaction in your brain like it's it's just attention i think everybody likes attention people are paying attention whether it comes in you know all sorts of different forms or you know shapes and sizes like whether it's on the Instagram app or it's somebody in real life giving you a compliment, you know, it gives you a little bit of like, oh, like right on. And and if you can kind of look down at your, f- if you don't have to interact with humans on a face-to-face level and get that, then I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing or I don't know. And for nope. you, it's your part of your job too. Like as a pro right. snowboarder, you have to or else pe- your sponsors are going to be like, why do you only have this many followers? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's extra sure. hard on you. Yeah, for sure. Also, bullshit excuse though, 100%. Because if, sure. it's, if it's your job, you what do you, you got to post a couple of photos a month? That that should realistically take you fucking 10 minutes yeah, true. of your time. True. Yeah, <laughs> like for re- sure. Re- realistically, it's not. But that, I used to use that and I heard the analogy. I've said it on air before. I'm sorry if you've heard this and I'm beating a dead horse, but... You know, if you're a fucking accountant, you're not doing QuickBooks in the Walgreens checkout. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. If true. you're an accountant, you're fucking saying I'm doing my I'm doing my QuickBooks <laughs> with apps. From though, fuck- maybe they are. <laughs> yeah, they maybe they are. You're right, <laughs> but it's not. If it's work, then treat it like fucking work. Treat right? it like and, work. And right. that's Down, the, so you, that, that's a good. I used to do that with my girlfriend. She gives, oh, it's my job. It's like, dude, that's fucking bullshit, dude. You you don't need to do it at seven o'clock at night when you're at. Well, it's your hangout. Right. With yeah, your girl be, time. you should be spending right. time with your people you care about for sure. And I think that there's plenty of like good examples of of people using it. Um, to their advantage um, or like just using it in like a moderate way or whatever and, and using it, like you said, like in more of a business sense and, you know, maybe not um, being so personally attached to your profile or something and kind of just being like, this is like, this is for my job, you know, and, and taking it like that. Um, and I think that there's nothing wrong with that. I feel like that's, you know, the probably the best way to be doing it mm-hmm. rather than, you know, it's almost like I, I guess, you know, I've had an Instagram account since I was like a freshman in high school maybe or something. So it weirdly feels, you know, kind of like a it's part of your life. Personal <laughs> log almost yeah. in a sense and then to like have it intertwined in this like you need to post this shit that like you're not in or like or you know, you just need to post this for to promote this brand or whatever. It's um, you know, sometimes it just feels very uh disconnected. Um but there, like I said, there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, supporting the brands that support you. And like Instagram is basically the means of doing that these days. And um, I get it. But sometimes it's. Uh, I feel like as many negatives, ideal. though, there's positives, too. Like agreed. Look at Tommy agreed. Towns, you know, like he would have never raised that much money. That's a great point. Yes, but if exactly Instagram wasn't point. around, yeah, he exactly. got over almost $100,000 for his head injury. I agree. I, th- I feel like the. The way of it bringing way it people, people together, together. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, as a pure communication device, I'm sure you guys have uh, reverted to DMing somebody if they don't answer like a phone call or a text it almost message works or something. Faster. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> You're like, wait, they're online, but they didn't answer yeah. like, my text message or something. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah they're, so you can I tell think, they're on their phone, but they're not texting you back. <laughs> yeah, I think there's plenty of positives to it. I just, I guess, like you know, human nature can carry you away to like, I guess certain extremes you know to like scrolling for two hours in the yeah. morning you know scrolling getting distra- getting distracted by it i think you know we're, we're curious and you know if if you're going to get stimulated then you're going to be attached to like that yeah. stimulant and so everything is moderation is probably yeah. the key yeah. i i liked what you were saying last night on the phone you were talking about how it's um disposable content and it kind of feels empty right as opposed to let's take a project like landline for example and that would be enriching to the snowboard culture right exactly and i think that that's i guess more like on my end where i'm like fuck like i don't always want to post stuff if i don't think it's worthy of posting because you know like you know you want to put out your best stuff always you don't want to just like put out some snowboard content because you feel like you're obligated to post something or whatever not saying that i don't randomly just post some random shit sometimes you know yeah, I think that there definitely should be something to say. Like some people, like for example, my r- roommate Blake Paul, it's like he always posts the best shit on his Instagram, you know, and he's very good at like curating um, curating that, you know, and um, utmost respect to him for doing that. Yeah. You know, I think he puts a lot of a lot of work into it more than more than other people and it shows. Probably makes good money for because of that too, and not and also because sure. he fucking rips too. But, yeah. Um one other thing too I was just thinking about while we're on the subject is I also 
there's like a degree of like accessibility to humans that I don't think is healthy these days. Mm. Like to there, there's no boundary. Like I was thinking about this, mm. like it would be so nice to just like shut off your phone for two weeks and just have nobody be able to get a hold of you. But that seems like pre- preposterous right now. Right? It almost seems like rude at this, <laughs> yeah, this day like, and age. But if you don't like, text somebody like, back in five minutes, they're like, dude, what's your fucking problem? Yeah. I know you, you got your phone. In the I know pocket. you got your phone. Like, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, holy shit, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. People you're are straight right, up guilt, guilt tripping you. For I get like, that all the time. <laughs> They're like, like, I'll see somebody I forgot to text back in person, and they're, like, so mad at me. I'm like, dude, I'm They'll sorry. They'll call you out, huh? Yeah. yeah, dude, it happens, like, more than I'd like to yeah. stoked on. But I feel I feel that same way sometimes. Or I've always wanted to, like, I think uh, somebody's done a snowboard trip like this, or they've do- documented it somehow, but, like, the digital detox trip or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like Snowboarder Mag did it or something a number of years ago. Um, but I've always been attracted to doing something like that. That would be rad, and... A lot of like um, a lot of the uh, footage that I've filmed or whatever has been on film, and so I, I feel like it would work really well if uh, I don't know oh, you were to just like do a project, like maybe a week or two week trip. Probably have to be a backcountry trip, film only. Go somewhere that's just like photo remote. film too. Photo just film, analog just the whole trip. Yeah, just fully analog it and like go fucking sleep in a cabin or like. I don't know. Do Only use the rotary phone at the cabin. Do something rogue <laughs> like that. I think it would be sweet because, like, at this day and age, it's there's no way you're getting two weeks away from digital detox. your phone unless, like, you break it and you get lost in the desert or something. <laughs> right. like, 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 it's just you make your way back to civilization, you're buying a new phone or, or I don't know. Like, even well, now you go international, they have plans. It works everywhere. Right, it used to, right. used to be a little break. It's yeah. not anymore. Yeah. Well, that's another thing, too, is talking about, you know, with the cab, our our cabin, we don't have a cell phone service up there. And yeah. you leave, and you're you feel great. And I think when you go camping, same deal. When you're up in the mountains, you leave, you feel great. Now, instead of I guess for a minute here, we've kind of been pointing out pointing out what's wrong with the distraction of the phone. Yeah. But I want to kind of change gears and ask you, what are the ways? Because you're a very present person. Like, what are the things you do to get present? Like, how do you stay present all the time? Hmm. Um, hard hitting question. Sorry. Yeah. Or like, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just like, I, I, I guess everybody has different ways of feeling like they're, uh, feeling like they're living in the present moment maybe. But I think it's fundamentally like you're, uh, you're, you're putting your phone down and you're taking a couple deep breaths and, uh, just realizing where you are and who you're with and why you're doing it. And like, if you're not happy, maybe you, maybe you got to start doing something else or something in that exact moment or whatever. But like, I feel like being present is like, um, like the most important thing you could do on a daily basis or like the most important thing you could remind you of on a daily basis. Uh, it always helps me like calm down kind of, if I'm ever like got bad anxiety about something or, or like I'm creating scenarios in my head. I'm like, take a couple deep breaths and like, you know, just, tell yourself it's going to be okay and like you know just like tell yourself in that moment you know everything's all good and you're like wait i am all good i actually don't have to worry about this until at least tomorrow or something you know like it's always until you're doing it yeah until you're doing it and that's just like i don't know something i always try to remind myself of totally and the things that you do i feel like as an outsider watching that that keep you the way you are, how you seem to be present, it's kind of a corny word, but we've been using a lot, but, but fuck it, who cares? So you, um, I mean, you, you like to cook? 
Mm-hmm. That's a good yeah. way to get present. Snowboarding, skating, surfing, present. Right. Yeah, oh. yeah. Anything, I guess, that doesn't immediately involve you looking at your phone. <laughs> 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 Sorry to bring it back to that. But, yeah. like, you know, I guess that's just the number one distraction these days. But there's plenty of other ways to get distracted. You know, like, you can get distracted by, um, you know, I don't know, like, your friends, you can get distracted by the TV, you can get distracted by drinking too many beers or smoking too much weed or like, I, you know, or you could get distracted by fucking anything. Like you can trip over yourself all day long, but um, just, yeah, taking those couple deep breaths. And I guess that's just something that I do like when I am snowboarding or like am trying to like land a trick too is like take a couple deep breaths and like visualize it and just like, Tell yourself you already landed it, basically, and like visualize yourself landing it, and then do it. And then like you're like it's almost like putting your conscious mind into your soon to be present state or something. I don't know. It's uh, it's kind of like a mind game. I love it. And these guys were saying too. Your friends that I was talking to were saying uh, when you're in those hairball situations, you don't you seem calm and collected. Do you feel that way? Because <laughs> you're you're putting off know. that vibe. I think it just depends. I think sometimes I feel that way and sometimes I don't. Um, and I think if I'm not, I'm usually telling the people that I'm with that I'm not feeling calm and collective. <laughs> I'm usually pretty, it's either pretty apparent or I'm like vocalizing it. But um, yeah, I think it's important to try and stay calm and collective. If you're about to do something that's going to scare you and um, or you know it already does scare you, you're like, well, I got to breathe these thoughts out of my mind kind of and like clear my mind and and like just trust myself beauty well let's get into a guest question from none other than blake paul hey parker big fan um just wondering what happened on the bucket night in colorado bucket karaoke night and i heard you ingested some form of currency that night maybe just run us through what happened thanks Mm mm-hmm yeah. Yep. I do recall this night. Um, I think it was SIA 2016 or 17 um, on snow at Copper. And um, I don't know. I think we were there. Uh, Mike Rav and I were there. Ravelson hanging out uh, with like, I think the electric crew, maybe like uh, Cody Rosenthal and, and a group of electric homies. And, um, yeah, we went to this one bar and they had, uh, I don't know, all the brands kind of have different maybe events during SIA and, um, I forget what brand, it might've been Yeti that put on sort of like a, some sort of karaoke contest or like they had a couple like prizes up for grabs, but they had a couple of, um, I don't know, like, uh, (laughs) Ways to earn these prizes, <laughs> you know, or like had a couple challenges, so to say. I don't know. I, I don't even know to call them challenges. It seemed super random. It was like, and we were like drinking in the bar and whatnot, and we were talking about doing karaoke, and we see like on the challenges, it's like puke in a bucket or puke in the five gallon bucket, and you win the bucket. And it was like a, a Yeti five gallon bucket Seems that had nice like, too. Yeah, it's a nice five gallon. Has like a little like cooler pack on it. I think you, you're supposed to like fill it with ice and, and keep your beers cold or something. Um, but yeah, so Mike and I were like, hell yeah, let's uh, let's both go up, sing a Kid Rock song, and um, and 
and we had the scheme to win the bucket and <laughs> so but you had to puke in it so we had to puke in the bucket so the scheme was we'd go up there start singing kid rock <laughs> which was just ter- a terrible performance you know which I, song was i forget the name of it it's the one that starts off it's like my, my name, name is kid yeah that's a hit and that's, uh that's, that's the one I'm just gonna let it be known. I didn't know any lyrics after. My name's my kid name Rock. is Kid Rock. I think then it goes to like bow to go bow to bow to bow. So we made it about that far, and then uh, once the lyrics started hitting, I knew I didn't know any of the lyrics. So the plan was basically for me to just grab the bucket, which was kind of off the stage, I think, at one point, and bring it on stage, and then puke in it so that we'd win the bucket. And so I just. Uh, yeah, I just um, like stuck my fingers down my throat oh, and, puked, the, and just puked on stage. Yeah, just <laughs> kind of brought it up, and uh, wow. we won. We won the bucket. I don't know. Yeah, it was great, <laughs> amazing. It also, it says uh, there's a part two about ingesting some type of currency. Yeah, so I think the night continued on. Oh, the, the same night as uh, as they usually do at SIA. The mm-hmm. consumption increased, and. Um, I don't know why, but yeah, I ate a dollar bill and like wow. sitting in the hallway. I think somebody filmed me doing it. I think there's video. Did you eat video. it whole? Yeah, I ate the whole thing. <laughs> wow. And just chewed it. So okay, let's just, I wanted to just I recap like here. Somebody like, I remember somebody commented, somebody might've posted it online or something. Somebody was like, great way to get like hepatitis B or so, <laughs> some sort of disease. Yeah, like, that's like the, one of the dirtiest things I think you could touch. I was like eat. right on. I didn't even think about that, I guess. Look at how many hands touch the dollar bill, you know? So yeah. basically if you want, if you like to be pro like Parker Zumuski <laughs> dietary, you want to eat spiders and <laughs> These are his dietary bills. concerns? Di- dollar bills. <laughs> and you want to pull trigger into a giant pull Yeti bucket. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's legendary. Great night. So that you still like have the bucket, night. or what happened to the bucket? You know, it's crazy. They I've, probably never I, even got the bucket I, after all no, that. No, we got the bucket. I'd never got to use it, though. It's just it, Mike might still have I bet Mike still has it, but it was just kind of lived at Mike's house after that. And it was kind of just a joke on going after that. <laughs> <laughs> kind of didn't want to use it. It was kind of like scarring. <laughs> after you puked in it? Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about Spy Optics. Now, summer's here. It's time for some sunnies, buds. It is. Spy has some killer new sun styles out to keep you looking fresh all summer long. Shop the new 70s-inspired hotspot and the 90s-inspired hangout, both made of 50% plant-based materials, along with the entire sunglass line on spyoptic.com. Plus, use promo code BOMBHOLE15 at checkout for 15% off your entire purchase that's bombhole, all capitals, one word, fifteen one five for fifteen percent off your whole purchase it's at spyoptic.com. Big discount, fifteen. Woo! Big one five. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break and talk to you guys about Granite Towers Equity Group. It's Dan Breezy's company. He was episode seventy one of the bombhole. He's a friend of the show. And if you're looking to invest some money, he's got a great company for you. So here's a couple words from Dan. What's up, everybody? Dan Breezy here with Granite Towers Equity Group, here to talk to you a little bit about investing. 
during my snowboarding career, I made some pretty stupid investments and put a lot of my money in IRAs and life insurance policies. And I soon realized these investments were not going to move the needle. So in 2017, we founded Granite Towers Equity Group, where we buy multifamily apartments. We come in and add value to every deal we buy by upgrading the property's interior and exterior, and you can invest right alongside us. You don't have to go out and learn it all and manage your deals and become a professional investor. We've raised just under $100 million in equity and have 2,100 units under management in the Dallas, Texas, and Nashville, Tennessee market. And we invest in every deal we buy. Every single deal will have skin in the game. So direct message me today on Instagram to learn more. My Instagram name is at Dan Breezy. That's at D-A-N-B-R-I-S-S-E. Or send me an email, dan at granitetowersequitygroup.com. Thanks. All right, Parker, you know what it's time for. Yes. Buds, name that video part. Now, name that video part is presented by the Bombhole. Nice. Bombhole.com. Bombhole.com. We got new merch. Good merch. New merch. Summer merch. We got slides. You're going to want some slides. Yeah, we got these basketball shorts. The b-ball shorts are hidden. We got some dad hats that are fresh in restock because they sold out so fast. Yeah, use promo code Parker Zumowski for zero percent off your next purchase. <laughs> That's Parker Zumowski. Good luck spelling that too. Good luck spelling that. <laughs> One word, all caps, zero percent off. If you can guess it. <laughs> You get Again, 0%. That's no, a 0% one-time deal. 0% I discount. I see he put his favorite old-school video behind him. He for, did. For some good luck. Scramble. Well, I can tell you that this one ain't in there, so <laughs> you're doomed. Scramble is a great video, though. Great video. Uh, all right, Parker, what's your confidence level 0 through 10? My memory is god-awful, so I'm going to go with like a 1. 1? Yeah. I it's honestly don't know high. if we've gotten one. Yeah, we haven't got a one. It's always a like like 1.2 maybe. Yeah. But Never just a straight one. A I solid like one. Solid one. And I've got like a little it. bit of confidence, but not yeah. much. We got a 69 once. Yeah, we did have a 69. Yep. Uh, all right. Here we go. Like he's he, still listening. He looks, he looks bewildered <laughs> and confused. He looks pretty wi- bewildered and confused. I could be totally wrong, but is that not Bard Aiden's part? Oh, yeah. That's my dog. Yep. That's my dog. He, he looks so bewildered, and then bam. Yeah. yeah. CKY. I mean, wow. there's not too many people that have ridden the CKY. Exactly. Wow. Thank you, guys. So that's Bard D. You got it right. Uh, you, know what, you know what, Parker? I was going to actually use your own song from rendered i probably wouldn't have gotten and that you know how legendary that would have been that would have been great if he mm. didn't get if it. he didn't get his own song i find it that would be hard to not get your own song i feel like we've tried it on it. a couple people and they've gotten they it. get it uh, yeah they're like you stupid. you're gonna get somebody but dude i think that if you didn't know your own video part song <laughs> it'd be great you'd be a instant like jersey in the rafters <laughs> hall of famer straight up <laughs> Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. The way my memory works sometimes, I it would not surprise me. Straight up. Okay, so for uh, part two of Name That Video Part, if you know what video part it is, when Parker's episode comes out, we're going to post a thumbnail photo of him on Instagram. It's just his face. And that is where you submit your answer. We pick it on our Instagram, which is at the bomb hole. Um, so here we go. Classic part. 
All right, that's all you get. God, that's so quick. I didn't get that one. Well, Parker, since we just did name that video part, I think we should get into, uh, let's just talk some video part nerd stuff. All right. So, you know, we kind of briefly breezed over Route 9, uh, but I feel like your first real part was, like, the the marquee, like, Parker fucking banging people over the head rendered useless. Yeah, probably. Pro- er, like, my first cohesive part that like I worked all winter on, you know, mm-hmm. for sure. Or like, uh, yeah, it, I think it showcased more of my snowboarding than uh, Route 9 did. Uh, just incorporating maybe some side hit stuff and some hand plants and just some more, I don't know, some more different style stuff, whereas Route 9 was a lot of just, just street spots. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, that was, uh, yeah, like I said, dropped out of school to basically do that and um i don't know it's not like the most insane part ever but a good way to i guess like get my foot in the door and i don't know maybe like got sponsored by howl after that part or something and and had like a little remix part that daryl wanted to put out for me which was pretty cool um so yeah it was cool to i guess like put that out and see a little support come my way and just like um yeah, get an idea for what filming a video part with like a bigger, bigger squad was like. Rather than Route Nine was like just the three of us always doing our thing, and uh, rendered was a little bit more of like kind of two different film crews and like uh, just more scattered people from around the country kind of being a part of it. So that was a really cool experience. Totally, I love that part how it showed. You know, not just railboard riding, like whole you said. Whole movie, right? Yeah, whole movie's great. Great soundtrack, great video. Mm-hmm. But one trick in particular, uh, we will have to, we'll throw this on the screen for the, the people watching, but you go um, you go to back three onto the noob report down bar. Yeah. And you got slaughterhouse fived. Yeah. What happened there? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That was a trick that I, uh, I still like doing to this day. It's kind of one of my best rail tricks, I guess, that I feel comfortable doing um so i'd always wanted to do it onto like a legit street whale and um the mal seemed like basically the i don't know at the time the biggest trail that i could like see myself doing it onto and um i think yeah it was me mary rand and cole naven hitting the 30 set cole was doing a switch back 270 onto it and Mary was either board sliding or board sliding or switchboard sliding it, I think. Um, but yeah, I started to try some back threes onto it, and uh, just wasn't feeling that great from the from the get go. It's like I would like land on the rail, tap it, and like ride off the side, ride down the next like the side of the rail, and I kept doing the same thing, like riding really close to the side of the rail, and. Uh, and, yeah, I just remember kind of being like, well, this isn't really feeling like I'm doing it right. But I kept trying. And, uh, yeah, I just kind of, like, did the same thing. Did the back three. I just wasn't, like, jumping down the rail enough. It's like, kind of jumping over. And so I kept hitting the rail, landing next to it, riding down. And then one time I just rode too close to the rail. 
and my nose caught in like the second to last support. And yeah, it sent me into like a, I don't know. I, I got stuck in the, like in the rail in between like the rail and the support beam with like my knee. And I just like kind of swung me under the rail and into the stair set. And I probably had, like, just as long hair as I have now. And I remember, like, my hair just, like, kind of brushed the granite steps. And, yeah, if I, like, if I had hit my head, I, I would have been a lot different story. But, yeah, I just kind of got all mangled up in the rail and couldn't couldn't really get myself out of it. So uh, a couple people had to come unstrap me. And I don't know. I thought, like, for sure that I had, like, fucking broke my leg or like completely blew my knee out or something but I was fine and just like iced my knee for the rest of the session and uh was walking around and yeah it was kind of a miracle yeah that's amazing definitely yeah. a miracle aggressive bail your body going under the rail like that that's crazy yeah violent I don't know you just, got lucky yeah for sure for sure now if we're going down the the whole um video part list of your career here I love, there's kind of a cult classic, we'll call it, um, you know, you, you had a bunch of stuff in snooze for a few years, mm -hmm. and there's the spark plug part, Yeah, and I felt like that was where you, like, really came into your own, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like you started to really, like, kind of yeah, I think that find, was the, your, find yourself, as corny as that sounds. No, yeah, that was, like, the first year that I uh, um, got the opportunity to film some stuff that wasn't street snowboarding. Um, and that was really exciting for me. Um, also just very new and um, didn't know what I was doing, but luckily like had the uh, uh, ability to, you know, ride Brighton um, and get to film there. And then like had uh, a couple days out with like Seth Hewitt and Reed Smith, like hitting my first backcountry jumps. Um, major shouts to both of them for you know reed had probably had more experience hitting jumps at that point than i did for sure um just uh yeah so it was i don't know it was cool hit a couple jumps rode a bunch of powder at brighton and then like did a bunch of street riding and um yeah probably one of like the parts that i'm most proud of for sure um just like came together naturally and colton morgan filmed and edited it and uh I was, I think I was living in his basement at the time, maybe, or just down the street. Um, but yeah, super, super awesome working with Colton and everybody else in the video. It was like Jordan Morris and Christian Buehling and fuck, I don't know. My memory is terrible. A lot of sleeper. Lot, lot a lot of like just, yeah, it was kind of just like, like a homie. It was just there, a homie. Bunch of people yeah, there's there. like a bunch of people in it and it was just like, it was just so cool because it was a homie video and I don't even think we had any really budget or money or anything. We kind of just made it happen. So um, that was really fun. And while we're going down the down the line here, um, it seemed like the next phase was was Vans. And how did you how did you get linked up with the van's crew and going on trips and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I think it was just like a, a natural progression from, uh, getting hooked up as like a regional East coast rider going to some local rail events. Um, and then at a certain point vans hosted like some, 
some kind of like downtown throwdown type event or something. And I ended up meeting Justin Villano. Um, huge shout to Justin Villano. He was the one who kind of hooked me up with Vans um, off the bat. And then just, um, yeah, progressively getting more involved with the crew. And um, I was pretty good friends with everybody before being involved, like Cole um, and then like Harry Hagen and Tanner Pendleton. I, I kind of just like knew them through East Coast snowboarding, basically. Um, and then as we were talking earlier about that day, I won last call. Um, it's kind of when I went on my first fans trip uh, with Dylan Odro and Cole Maven and Harry Hagen. And um, yeah, major shouts to Dylan because he kind of gave me a little bit of a nudge to go on that trip. And uh, I'll never forget that because it, it was just like a friendly way of being like, yeah, dude, like you should, you should come up to Canada with us. We're going to go film some stuff maybe for like landline. And um, I ended up having a clip from that trip in Cole Maven's part. Um, so that was a big deal for me. Um, and then, and then, yeah, a couple, I guess that was like 2016. And then I didn't really get on until 2019. Um, but yeah, I was living in Colton Morgan's basement and Tanner Pendleton gave me a call in like January, I think. And was just like, you want to go to Japan? I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> it's like, you want to go to Japan with Jake Cusick and Dan Liedahl and Ollie Gagnon? And I was like, yeah, like <laughs> 100%. Like, this is huge. And it was it was extremely surprising to me, but um, I had already already spoke with, like, Kevin Casillo about being a part of the program, and he had, like, lightly given me his word um, that he had planned to, like, get me involved. And um, so I didn't really know what to expect, but, uh, getting that call was, um, yeah, it was life changing for sure. It was super cool. And I looked, you know, I was Dan and Jake were like my ultimate, you know, street snowboarding heroes. So I was like, yeah, you know, I want to go, I want to go on a trip with those guys. That'd be so, so cool. And it was, it was to, to this day, one of my best international trips for sure. So we're going to get into a Patreon question, but first, Chris, you want to talk about Patreon? You know what, buds? I'd love to talk about Patreon. Let's do this then, Chris. Uh, what is Patreon? Well, it's basically our people. Um, if you want to support the show, uh, it's a great way to do it. It's cool because it just feels like we are a podcast that's funded by the people. Obviously, our sponsors do a huge, huge, huge part in us being able to do this show, but another huge percentage of it is from uh, the Patreon. So it's nice... Um, you know, you guys rule, so thank you. And one of the perks is you get to submit questions, and then we might say them on air like this one right here. Right here from Jackson. How does it feel carrying all the red-headed borders on your back? I don't know. I don't uh, particularly feel like I'm carrying any of them on my back. I think uh, they all speak for themselves uh, quite well. Um, but, yeah, there's You're a You're kind of the modern-day, the freshest redhead he Pro, can, he's right? picking up where yeah, uh, picking up. where Sean Moore. White Sean White left off. <laughs> or where Sean White left off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Big shoes. To uh, no, Very I don't big. know. Uh, I yeah, I guess um, I'm somewhat younger, at least in the immediate ones I can think of, uh, like Ben Billadu and Danimals, Dan, aka Dan Liedall and Pat Moore. Um, 
But yeah, all people that um, I've gotten to spend a fair amount of time around, I guess, um, over the past like five to ten years, and um, they're great people. I don't know. We're, we're you guys feel like you're a squad? <laughs> yeah, do you guys do like a redheaded <laughs> meetup once a year? Yeah. Maybe no, like y'all get together and talk. No, I guess like more, most recently, like Dan and I probably spend the most time uh, together out of the bunch, and uh, I don't know. We always are just like telling people we're brothers. And it's pretty cool. <laughs> That's now, funny. now let's talk Redhead Hall of Fame. Who yeah. we got in snowboarding? Uh, I don't know. Sean White. Sean White. And the Pat other Moore. two people. Yeah, the other. Yeah, Pat Moore. You know, I, they say redheaded is the biggest minority. But yet in snowboarding, it seems like there's a big group of talented yeah. redheads. Colleen Quigley. Being yeah, a Colleen T-Bird. Being T-Bird. a dying yep. breed. Yep, that's right. Seamus, actually, I think is. Yeah, yeah, we got filmers. Redhead. We got media. We yeah, got yeah, industry. It's, it's throughout. It's, uh, I don't know. Harrison, is Harrison, Harrison Gordon? No, Harrison Gordon. Definitely. Oh, yeah, how could you forget so. Garfield? Oh, Jesus, that would yeah. be bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's actually a lot of talent. There's a bunch. Red-headed yeah. talent in the snowboard. Yeah, is that amazing. why your board graphic's red? I would have to imagine it's got something to do yeah. with it, yeah. Now, um, if you guys were a hockey team, per se, <laughs> who would be the captain? I'm going Harry Gordon, for sure. <laughs> oh, wow. That's who I'd like to see to be Harrison Gore-Tex, not yeah. Pat Moore. Not Pat Moore. Harry no. Gore-Tex, I like that. No. He's even keeled. Pat, Pat Moore would be, a good be like captain. He wouldn't be like harsh on you too much. He'd Pat be would like, be like point guard or something. You know, point guard. Yeah. Well, that's uh, basketball. I don't. Yeah. I don't know hockey <laughs> at all. Maybe, but you maybe know, he'd be, he'd be front of the line or something. Defenseman, left yeah. wing or something. Is that is that the right sport? I don't, uh, left I don't wing. Know any I, I played positions. right wing growing up. Yeah. <laughs> so it, I'd say uh, you know Seamus would probably be goalie. I could see him. Oh yeah, I could see ripping slap shots at him. Good goalie, and he would just block them all. All right, let's talk about pub beer, Stony Buds. Let's do it. You guys going to crush some can? We're about to crush. Yeah, let me know how those things are going down, boys. Did you hear that little fizz? Mm. That was nice. Yeah. That's good. <sighs> Delicious. Cheap fun. It's cheap fun That's beer. What they call it. It's cheap, it's fun, and it's beer. If what you're else thinking do you need to about, know? If you're, th- well, if you're thinking about uh, getting absolutely shithoused and throwing up into a bucket. <laughs> yes. And then eating a dollar bill. What are you going to choose, buds? Pub beer every time. Absolutely. Every time. Let's do the crapshoot. Welcome to the pub beer crapshoot. All right, roll those dice. Goon Gears is six. What is this? Just the two pub of beer crapshoot. Uh, two of them? Pick two. Let's, let's go seven because there's a five and a Yeah, two. let's set a seven. Okay, who's one of your favorite people to party with? Nick Baden. Wow. Wow. That's, I'll tell you what, that's very serendipitous because we have a guest question from Nick <laughs> Baden. <laughs> Good morning, Bombhole listeners, staff, and the uh, subject matter of today, Parker. I am here to ask you a question, and I'm wondering who your biggest inspirations were when you were younger growing up in Massachusetts and New Hampshire, um, snowboarding, skateboarding, whatever, really, as well as today, who they are, and if they've changed or stayed steady throughout your life. Um, I've also got a second question, and it's about our trip to New York last summer. Really productive trip, and I was just wondering if maybe give us a uh, high point or low point or just something you remember about the trip um i hope you guys have a good day and talk soon is he flying a kite or what i think he's I in know. hood river oregon actually windsurfing right now is wind what's happening. Yeah, he's in hood river windsurfing um so what was yeah yeah pick it pick it up from there parker what do we got 
yeah, so growing up, um, I had, like, plenty of local inspiration, like, from, like, the skate park to the snowboard hill to the ocean. Um, but what really stood out to me, I feel like, was when I started going to Loon Mountain and kind of seeing, like, the Keep the Change crew um, and then, like, started to get the chance to ride with Johnny O'Connor and Mike Ravelson and, like, Dylan Dragata and Tyler LaRue and, like, all of them, really. Yeah, there were so many, uh, like, various inspirations for me between, like, skating, surfing, and snowboarding, and there still is to this day. I think I... I watch content um, from all three of those sports, and and like I draw inspiration for my snowboarding from from all of that. And like growing up, um, the forum videos were very inspirational, um, and then like so were the Vulcan videos. Once I s- like started to discover those, like a scramble and uh, Subject Hawkinson um, are two of like my all time favorite videos in general. And then also, like, the Volcom surf videos are, like, some of my favorite, like, creepy fingers and football schmootball. Um, and those are things, I guess, like, yeah, still stand to this day. Like, I still love watching those videos, and they get me they get me psyched. Now, I have a question I'd like to ask, um, and this is a shitty question. I'll preface with that. But, like, it seemed like you just got really good at skating all of a sudden. Or maybe you were always were, and I didn't notice, but, like... How the fuck did you get so good at skating transition? Um, the the skate park that I grew up at is just like a, a concrete skate park with three bowls. And so like I've I just grew up skating transition. I don't know. That's the long and the short of it, I guess, you know, like it's just I saw you skating like it looked like a mini vert ramp or a big just a big backyard ramp. Yeah. And I saw you doing airs and stuff and I was like, Who the where the fuck did this guy come from? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I've just like always wanted to like skate a vert ramp and then my friends had like a mini yeah it was like a seven and a half foot vert ramp um on the east coast and in portland maine and uh yeah i just like couldn't have been more amped to try and learn how to skate it and uh i the 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 park i grew up at has like a basically a vert ramp it's concrete but it always just scared the shit out of me i always wanted to ride like a wooden vert ramp um even other indoor skate parks I grew up at had big-ass wooden vert ramps, but something about a backyard ramp I just always wanted to ride, and my homies built one, and it just, like, clicked, and now I really want to try and build one. Anybody in Salt Lake trying to build a vert ramp, <laughs> hit me up. <laughs> Good thing is lumber's really cheap right now, so yeah. that'd be nice. be a cheap um, ramp. Yeah, let's get into another thing, too, uh, while we're cruising along here. Uh, I know that you went to Alaska, and I know that it was a fucking wild trip. And I have a guest question from none other than Jake Price. Here we go. How we doing, my dogs at the bomb hole? It's Mini Bike from Lot Brigade. Here you have Park Zoom in the hot seat this week. Got a question and a story request. What's up, Parker? After our first day riding in Valdez, Alaska, legendary snowboard guide was standing right next to me, Dan Caruso. He looked over and said, where in the hell did you find this kid? I've never seen anyone come to Alaska and ride like that day one. It was pretty rad. Um, just had a question for you. Where did you learn how to ride like that? It was pretty insane to watch. Part two, just give me a rundown on a day in the life of the Lot Brigade, waking up next to Alien Lynn, 
and the rest of the boys up there in the parking lot and Thompson Pass. All right, love you, Parker. Love you guys. Thanks for everything. Hell yeah. Uh, thank you for the question, Jake. Um, and thank you for inviting me to go to Alaska. <laughs> You're the fucking man. <laughs> that trip was awesome. Um, fuck. Uh, what was his first question? It was after the first Where did day. you learn how to uh, ride like that? Because yeah. you don't pick up those skills at Loon, do you? I don't know. Um, I guess, yeah, I don't know. My only answer to that question is uh, just riding out here, honestly, like riding at Brighton. It sounds ridiculous, but, um, yeah, I don't know. First, like, steeper runs I think that I ever got to ride were in powder. We're here. Um, And just, like, um, you know, learning what it feels like, I guess, to, like, ride – with like slough and like managing slough and um yeah again sounds kind of ridiculous because alaska is like so much bigger but uh yeah even like the few like split boarding days that i first did at brighton um i think like i think like the first time i went split boarding at brighton alex rodway brought me to uh mount tuscarora and did three shoot and uh that was like huge for me that was uh yeah, it was pretty scary and just didn't really know what it was going to be like. But, yeah, just like a steep kind of windy couloir. But um, I don't know. I think I've just always, like, been pretty confident uh, turning on my snowboard. So that's what I tried to focus on when I went to Alaska. Um, I didn't really have the mindset of, like, doing anything crazy. Uh, kind of just wanted to make it to the bottom of the run um it's pretty intimidating and yeah appreciate um appreciate that uh that question yeah most people get up to alaska their first time and it's like a wash because they're so scared and they're trying to figure out all the yavi stuff and so they don't really do anything so i imagine that's why it was so impressive that you were getting down to action so quick yeah i think uh i guess just the circumstances of the trip in itself uh I felt like were beneficial to me um, just because Jamie. For the record, he's talking about Jamie Lynn. Yeah, Jamie Lynn has has been up there so much um, that I felt like I could like kind of trust his um, track. (laughs) So if he were to go first and I saw him, you know, he kind of like takes a couple turns, disappears for, 10 to 15 seconds and then like you see them ride out into the valley and it was just like all right like if he can do it then i i can do it type of deal not that i'm on any sort of level that he is but uh just on like the bare minimum of like i don't know i trust myself riding my snowboard and like if he made it down i'm gonna if make it, it down, down safely i'm not gonna like try and pop off any cliffs or anything like but who knows if he did <laughs> type of deal <laughs> but uh yeah it was it was scary and it was fun. There was a, a part two of the question. I think he said, uh, can you take me through a day in the life? Of the lot brigade? Of the lot brigade. Right. Yeah. So we stayed up there for like on Thompson Pass. Thompson Pass kicks ass uh, for like three and a half weeks. And so we started to kind of just like lend a hand with the, the heli op that we were staying with. Um and so yeah day in the life it was kind of like we'd wake up jake and i were sleeping in the rv uh jamie was sleeping about 100 feet away 
in a snow dugout in a hammock. Nice. With like a, I don't know, every day it kind of evolved into more of like a hideout with like plywood and tarps and uh, jet boils and, and shit. It was sweet. Um, and we'd kind of all like, depending on what the schedule was or, or what the weather was doing, we'd either kind of like lazily get up and get food from the food truck that was like 20 feet away from our RV or uh, we'd be like making cereal and getting all our gear together to get in the helicopter. And it just depended what the weather was like and kind of what the, the schedule was like for flying. And I was uh, very uh, new to that whole process. So I, I, I really didn't know. And I was kind of just like kind of waiting on Jake's word. He would kind of leave the RV and kind of come back and be like, all right, we're flying in 10 or something. Or, or be like, all right, we're chilling for like at least a couple hours. Like we might be flying later this morning. So it was kind of like he'd either come back and be like, all right, get ready. And you'd be like, oh, shit, like, okay. Uh, or just like you're chilling for a little bit. And we had a fair amount of down days. And so on those down days, we'd end up like chopping wood. And just, yeah, because like one of the, some of the tents for the heliop were, you know, wood stove powered. And we'd chop wood with like the ground workers and learned how to like fuel the helis uh, and just kind of, yeah, like fucked around. I think we, <laughs> at one point, we like made a uh, a drink stand, and we were like making micheladas and serving people of the lot. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> we couldn't sell them, I guess technically. Uh, so we just like had a tip jar, and we gave all the tips to the food truck that we were parked right in front of. <laughs> That's pretty sick. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was right. It was really fun. That's incredible. Uh, I got to imagine if you were to tell yourself, little sixteen-year-old uh, Parker Zumowski, that you're gonna, hey, you're gonna be hopping in a helicopter with Jamie Lynn, and you're gonna get dropped off in Alaska, and uh, it's like only a few years away. You'd be like shitting a brick, I bet. Yeah, for sure, for sure, fucking crazy, and like even crazier is just like, I don't know. I actually the at, like the days that we did fly it was just like. For me, at least, coming from my snowboard background, it was just, like, the first couple of days were so intense. Like, s the noise of the helicopter and just the seriousness of, like, the guides and the pilot. and um, But then also just, like, the totally um, relaxed state that Jake and Jamie were in really helped me not freak out. Um I think that was huge. And Austin Smith was up there as well, and he flew with us most days, um, which was really cool. They were all, like, just super level-headed, and I think I only, like, really got fucking terrified, like, twice, which, uh, yeah, was really scary, but I also they also were just, like, super cool. I was like, I think I'm good for, like, the day. That run just scared the shit out of me. They're like, all right. I think it's good to get terrified up there because it keeps you in check. For sure, yeah. yeah. I think, I don't know, and and they give you that kind of pep talk of, like, everything looks way bigger than it is. This slid on this face, and, and they, yeah, like, they run you through everything, and it definitely, like, sobers you up really quickly, and you're just like, or I don't know. Everybody has a different uh, way of approaching, like, new experiences, but I was definitely like, I think I want to come home from this one, so... Mm -hmm. uh, Maybe just, like, stick to what you know how to do. Like, do some turns and 
And I was talking to Jake a lot about that because he's been up there a good amount. And he's like, yeah, just like, just do your thing. Like, do your thing and no pressure. But, um, yeah, it was a great experience. Fucking awesome. And I can't wait to go back. Yeah, it's pretty exciting, huh? Yeah, it, it's exhilarating yeah. for sure. Um, especially to go with, like, I don't know. Jamie is just guys, like a yeah. fucking doesn't really say much so you're just like what are you really thinking and like i don't know he definitely did some shit that really surprised me you know and uh he's fucking really good at riding a snowboard so it was really cool to see that firsthand in that terrain and be like wow like yeah respect like you're a legend i don't know like you find I, out why he's a legend yeah for sure <laughs> for sure all right, Parker, we got to talk about the fact that you just turned pro. Uh, that's huge. First of all, congratulations. Uh, Thank you. Second of all, I think there's a guest question with the we Patreon. Do. We yeah. got one from Jackson. Let's give Jackson an air horn. Yeah, this is two uh, Patreon questions in one show from Jackson. Jackson's having a big day. the same Jackson. Action Jackson. What's the story behind your pro model graphic, and do you plan on continuing to film in the streets or move more towards backcountry riding? in the next chapter of your career? Thank you for the question, Jackson. Um, great question. I it, I did not have any hand in my pro model graphic. It was, uh, it was just like a complete surprise to me, which was super, super special, uh, super cool surprise, probably the biggest surprise of my life. Basically, the story is the, like, format of the graphic, the way... It's all like laid out with the base and whatnot. Is uh, is from an old Kate. It's almost like a reissue, kind of like a revamped reissue of a Daniel Frank pro model. Uh, he had like a whale instead of like mine as a caterpillar, but same layout, name in the middle on the base, and like same top sheet layout, but just different colors and different animal, I guess. And yeah, shout out to Cole Navin and Mark O'Malley for for coming through on the graphic. Yeah, that's a killer, killer graphic. I think that's one of the coolest ones I've seen in a minute. And uh, let's talk about the fact that they like one well, of the he cool had one things. more part to that question. Oh, oh, right. So, were Sorry. you going to be moving more towards the streets or to the big <laughs> mountains or mountains in the future? Yeah, um, I'm definitely drawn to um, trying to get a snowmobile and trying to do more backcountry. Um, but I think uh, I will most likely still film in the streets. Yeah, I noticed but, uh, the board's a 159 too, so that's a good question, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah, that's, that's very relevant considering that, yeah, my board is like a directional, uh, more free ride board. Um, again, complete surprise to me, but that is the board that I ride most often when I go to Brighton and especially if it's snowing and, it's the board I rode when I was in Alaska. and um, So, yeah, I guess I'd like to continue riding that board and in more steeper, bigger terrain. Killer. Uh, we should talk about the fact that I think it's really fucking cool that K2 surprised you. It's like um, like a skateboard company does. Yeah, when you turn moves. pro, it's a big deal. They surprised you. All your friends were there. You know, It was just seemed, seemed very... Um, special what was what was the feeling you had when they when they hand you that board and all your friends are there again just like 
so shocked and surprised and I don't know, kind of felt like a deer in the headlights a little bit. I didn't really know what to say. <laughs> yeah, I still don't really know what to say. Super, uh, super grateful and like huge shout out to Tommy J and uh, like John Colonna and Tim Swart and everybody at K2 Snowboards. Yeah, it was a special night and it was really cool. My sister was there and a bunch of my friends were there and um, yeah, I can't really imagine it going any better than it did. It was awesome. That's so cool. And you've you've been a guy that's been on the same sponsors, it seems like, for your whole career since you're a kid. Like you rode for K2 all the way through. You've been on vans forever. Um, it's always kind of cool to see see that. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, something that I – or like there's always been like takeaways throughout like my uh, journey, I guess, through snowboarding. And like the main thing has just been like the relationships that I've made along the way and – Luckily, some of those relationships with, have been at, like, great van, uh, great brands. Um, and, yeah, I'm, like, forever grateful for that because, uh, yeah, I've been, like, K2 has been my only board sponsor and been getting bored since I was 15. So, yeah, and, and, and just, yeah, with all the companies that I work for, I, I, like, I value loyalty, and I think that, you know, it's reciprocated the same way at the brand, so... Uh, major shouts for the support. Yeah, they've been floating your board since you were 15. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So we were talking last night about, um, I, I don't know if it's your mentality or your mindset or how you describe it, but you mentioned something about how you're, you're kind of one of your main goals is just to be happy, simply put. Yeah. I feel like, uh, uh, I don't know. It's just like uh, something that, I kind of like continue to remind myself of to like when I'm, you know, whether they're just like goals I'm setting in my head or if I'm writing them down or if I'm like aspiring to do something, it's like always remind myself or just like remember to like ask myself, I guess, if it's going to like make me happy or ask myself if I am happy kind of. You know, just kind of like a check-in. And that's something I feel like I ask my friends and, like, my family. I'm just like, you are you happy kind of deal? Just like, it's almost it's almost like just saying, like, are you okay or something. That's, like, the way I, I see it. Because, like, if somebody's not – or if, like, you're just not fundamentally happy about where you're at in, like, your present moment, then, you know, maybe you need to let some shit off your chest or, you know, maybe you have something going on. Um, I know that like, if I'm not happy, I usually like could talk to somebody or something. So, um, yeah, but that's like just one of my, like, I feel like overarching goals for like the rest of my life, like design a life that makes me happy. And, uh, I think like, uh, from a young age, one of like my main things is like to like not work at a desk or something, you know, and that like just like stemming from liking to be outside and like feeling like if I had to be inside from nine to five, like five days a week, then I probably wouldn't be happy, <laughs> you know. So, um, and yeah, I don't know. I just feel like that's something that like keeps me on track, kind of, or keeps me like uh, going in the right direction or something like being happy i really like what you said about uh evaluating decisions and simple protocol all right i'm going to make a decision does this make me happy yes or no 
yeah. makes it makes your decision really easy. Yeah. What easier? Easier, I guess. So, so to to kind of just bang over the head with it. What do you think makes you happy? I think that like good, good social connect. Like I, I think I love my friends. You know, like friends, family, and like activity. You know, like movement, movement, and like being outside. Like all of the above, I think makes me happy. You know, and, and then you know, laughing and jo- like I don't know. You know, just like shooting the shit with your friends, and uh, I guess like I touched upon earlier, you know, like finding a group of friends that makes you feel like you're invincible, or like, or like, you know, finding people that like bring the best out of you, or something, is uh, a good place to start. Man, this is a cool thing that you say. Uh, I, I, we we talk about this on the show, but you know, in, in regards to friends, I, I'd like to say to have a friend, you have to be a friend, and. When talking to Mike Rav, he said, Parker is a man of merit, uh, which <laughs> I'm not even sure applies to this exact uh, circumstance, but he says he will drop anything to help you out, and he never fucking complains. He's, he does not no complaining ever, but he basically was saying, like, you'll pick up his friend from the airport. Like, uh, Blake was like, oh, my, my Uber wouldn't fit my board bag in, and it was six in the morning. <laughs> And I had to, like, and I went over Reggie Parker's room and he gave me a ride to the airport. No problem. No complaining. He's up. He's doing it. Like, that's a really good friend, you know? And uh, it's cool that you say that you got to find your people and you have to find your good group of friends and your friends say you're a good friend. And so that's kind of cool. For sure. I, um, I don't know. That, that, like, hits home for me because, like, I feel like, I don't know. I've had a lot of really good friends throughout my life. And so like, I just feel like, (laughs) like the least I could do is be a good friend basically. And you know, to the people that like are good friends to me and uh, yeah, that means a lot to me. It's like family, I think. So that's awesome. Well said. Your friends are your family. That's great. Um, so we got some tears out of him, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got. Him. <laughs> He's crying in the booth. You love it. We yeah, love it. It's a common thing. Yeah. Well, let's change gears into hot takes. Now, uh, we do this one every time. Um, Michael Jordan and or greatest of all time goat of snowboarding, both male and female. Who you got? Yeah. What do you think of this? I was driving home yesterday, and I passed a car called the Goat Mobile. <laughs> And it was a freaking, like, van, and the dude carpeted the whole thing and put horns on it. It was kind of pretty cool. It was, like, for a business, but I was just sounds like, amazing. Sounds like the Dumb and Dumber uh, it car. It looked like that. It was car. a goat. It looked just like <laughs> it was a goat. And I was just like, dude, this is amazing. No way. Yeah. Um. Damn. I think, like, overall, like, all-time goat in my eyes and uh, for a male would probably be Terry Hawkinson, like, and that's just, like, as an impression of, like, him as a snowboarder, you know, like, at, like purely as, like, a rider. I, I don't know. His riding is, like, the most impressive, I think, that I've ever seen um, to this day. Uh, leaves the biggest impression on me. Yep, I guess. It's, a personal, it's a personal question. For sure. Um, female. Female, goat. Um, and... You know, I didn't grow up watching all these old movies, but, like, the older I get, the more intrigued I am by, like, women snowboarding back in, like, the 90s and stuff. And, like, um, I don't know, like, Victoria Jalouse is, like, just every time I see a part from her, I'm just, like, 
damn, like just like the the best style and yeah, she's riding like big AK lines and like I don't know, just overall good style and that's something that just like I think I look for and somebody who's gonna be impressionable to me and be like the greatest of all time is somebody that like looks really good on their snowboard. Um, no matter like what they're doing. Uh so yeah. Yeah, she yeah. ripped. Great answer. Uh steel or powder? Powder. Best style ever. Jamie Lynn. Best board gra- graphic ever. Best board graphic ever. Probably Noah Salznick, like the Noah's Ark Sims board. It's fucking awesome. Got that board raced at a bomb walk up. Um, right, you got pants over or under high back. Whatever you're feeling. Oh, I love it. Good answer. I don't know how this one's going to hit with them, but uh, worst trend. Canceling people. It's a rough Fuck. one. Everybody's, everybody's learning. Everybody's growing. Doesn't help to shame somebody, I feel like. You know. It's a good fucking answer. Now, um, this is sometimes in hot takes, but it's going to be being asked by a Mountain Dew team rider. This guest question is from Mountain Dew team rider, uh, Julia Marino. Here we go. If you could go heliboarding with three people in the world, who would they be and where would you go? I don't know. I've, uh, I always thought that uh, <laughs> I don't know if when I got there I'd actually want to be there, but I always thought that Jeremy Jones – heli footage in paradox i think he was in like russia or something (laughs) it looks insane so it'd be cool to go there and it'd be cool to go with uh it's just like riders you think only you can be i mean young dolly said he would take mike tyson so you can say whoever you want those russian helis too i think you can pack more people in (laughs) have you ever seen those things those old war ones yeah maybe i'd take like uh god Merrick Joyce, Jamie Lynn, and fucking, I don't know. Maybe maybe it'd be sick to just go fucking, I don't, I, I can't tell, like, who would want to go to fucking Russia? <laughs> to go yeah, yeah, like, 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 you know what I mean? Enough. Like, who the fuck would want, like, to go do that? But I think it would be rad to be riding with Merrick Joyce, Jamie Lynn, and fucking, I don't know, Nick Baden. That'd be insane. That'd nice. be a dope crew. That is a solid be a crew. Fun crew. <laughs> solid, solid crew. Um, amazing. Well, we we kind of touched on it earlier, but we always like to ask about your setup, the snowboard that you ride, how you set it up. Mm-hmm. What's up with it? Yeah, I feel like I kind of switch my shit up a lot, but yeah, I I ride the broadcast in a one fifty nine, and I ride medium formula K two formula bindings. Um, stance is usually like positive three between, and then front foot, like positive 18, like 15 or 18. And then I don't know if I'm in the streets, I'm riding like a 155 or 157 and my stance is maybe like zero or negative three and positive 12 it's usually my stance and then so you're at the 159 broadcast and then you and have your angles you're too. goofy goofy now, do you and you probably set your shit back a little bit right yeah i usually set it back about an inch oh. or like half an inch or an inch you detuning no 
Even in the streets? In the streets, I'm detuned yeah. for sure, actually, yeah. What's your wax regimen looking like? Uh, it's pretty loose these days. Not not waxing, wow. Pretty loose these... No, I'm, I'm waxing, but, you know, sometimes you wax with the wrong wax and you wish that you didn't wax. You gotta study up. Sometimes it deters you for a bit. I don't know, back in the day, I feel like I'd wax... You know, when I was a weekend warrior, every weekend it would be like every night I was waxing. Yeah. But I feel like... I did uh, that too when I was young, like, just wax. I guess it just depends on what, what the fuck we're going to get into. I don't know. Okay, another question. Have you ever hit a smelling salt? No. All right, squeeze that and then give it a sniff and then hand it to me and we'll send it around the horn. Squeeze it. It'll pop and It'll then... turn red. Once it pops, smell it right away. Oh, he went aggressive. Oh, he, went in. he went too deep. Oh, he went in I, deep. Dude, he went too deep. <laughs> oh, he went in deep. He was all fucked up. He was all fucked up. Oh, oh, my oh God. dude. God. I was just about to say, don't go too deep. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh, dude, my he, God. he zapped it, dude. I bet oh, the back my you God. can feel that in the back of your head, huh? Oh, not quite. Just, just like nasal region pretty heavily. <laughs> it kind of made me go blind for a second. I was like, <laughs> Yeah, you don't need to go too deep on it, but I respect that you did. Holy shit! What do you mean too deep? Like, like you kind of—it's it like a light. You went like, yeah, like I you, don't know. I yeah, don't know. that was like you were doing a Just, something else there. Yeah. Dive in head first. You yeah, know? if you're gonna try something, try it. Yeah, yeah. you gotta respect that. I God, respect God, that, respect. Yeah, when I saw you, close you never your know eyes how like, like fast or like I don't know how strong. I don't know. It hits. It hits yeah, you. Yeah. Good. That hits it hits you really good. hard. Yeah, it comes in good there. Uh, comes in like a when freight train. When you hit train. it real good, it makes your eyes water, mm-hmm. and Who, you just really feel it. What are those for? So we, hockey, I <clears> think. yeah, we got them because uh, we were watching playoff hockey a couple of years ago or last year, whenever, yeah. And we just saw the hockey players just whacking smelling salts on the bench. Yeah, well, they're on the bench. They need to get hyped. Now to get are back they on hitting it pretty hard? Or are they hitting? Yeah, it oh hard? yeah, they're whacking them between every shift. And, God. Yeah, and it wakes you up to kind of go out there and sprint. You know, gives kind you of a, a bad smell. You know, like. Yeah. Ammonia nitrate opens up the sinuses. Mm-hmm. Really opens you up. We uh, you probably are- won't have them, but you can always check bombwell.com for a run through a wall smelling salts. <laughs> they always sell out. Yeah, there's a. Do you ever shortage. hit them when you're like maybe feeling a little under the weather? Or? Uh, we, oh, we've he, heard we hit them when I was driving out uh, the bend, and they're great, great for you, driving. Yeah, great keeps for you driving. awake. Yep, fair enough. Um, yeah. Start. We're gonna start hitting them. I saw Mark Mick hit them right before um, Red Bull. Where, where were we at? Peace Park. Peace Park. Yep. Actually, didn't ride that well that day, so I don't know. Oh, he didn't ride that well. But Zeb Powell hit him, and he had stuff coming out of his ears. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, yeah, he was leaking out of his ears he so. hit from it, the he hit from it the so cell. hard. So we thought yeah. we were gonna have to bring him to the hospital. Oh man! So he um, went deep with it. Do you guys believe in aliens? Yeah, let's talk aliens. Dude, I, I mean, I, I do. Yeah. I thoroughly believe, or fully believe, in aliens. Encounters? Or? What's that? Encounters? I haven't had any encounters. Okay, I got some shit. You do. Dude, so on this is an encounter? We never we've never talked about this on air, have we? What, dude? Okay, check this out. On my finger right here. You've got a mark? See, there's a perfect triangle. Look above my fingernail there. What? See that there's like a triangle? Yeah. You see yeah. it? You've been chipped? So it's a so I had a dream I got abducted as a kid. What? And uh and then I, I have this like Wait, you were a kid when you had the dream or Yeah, I had a dream. yeah, I was a no no, I when I was a kid, when I was a child, like I was probably like middle school. I had a dream that I got abducted by aliens. And I have a weird triangular scar that's, like, right above my fingernail. I never knew how I got it because I didn't fall or anything. And then I Google imaged, uh, like, 
uh, <laughs> alien abduction triangles, and they saw other ones like this, just like that. Mm-hmm. How so you never I, told me this? Dude? I don't know. I, All I don't this know time how I never. The booth. Yeah, and you're and Buds is uh, a big uh, alien abduction wow. guy. Yeah, so I think there's a chance I might have been abducted, but I'm I can't confirm. I don't know. And they probably chipped you. And this could be a chip. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, it's a bizarre. Scar- have you seen this, Buds? No. Look, right above, right there. If you look like oh, yeah. triangle. Oh yeah. You might you might want to get X-rays. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've heard of people getting X-rays and they find stuff in there. No, really. Yeah. So, what's your Damn. take on aliens, Parker? I don't know. I, I I'm a believer that there's uh, there's extraterrestrial life, if uh, that's what you want to call it. I don't know. Uh, I think uh, <laughs> I don't know. I like like I I just think it's interesting like how there's a lot of like documentation of ancient civilizations and. Uh, how like the feats that they accomplished are basically like unaccomplishable by modern technology and like the um, pyramids stuff like yeah that. the pyramids just big buildings and like uh, what's that island like Easter Easter Island, island. So, yeah, yeah. Th- those structures are crazy like how they get those rocks there and like yeah I don't know it's interesting I feel like it's good to question I always think it's important to like uh question authority and i feel like there's some sort of authority on like maybe our history you know in a certain way and like so i don't know i think it's interesting to question it be like well maybe we didn't you know evolve like darwin maybe said we did or you know like who who the fuck knows and and i'm just speculating like you know, but well, I like it. I think it's, I think it's so hieroglyphics of aliens and stuff. Yeah, yeah, all the drawings and stuff like UFOs. that. UFOs. I think it's awesome. But uh, yeah, I, um, a friend of mine gave me a book called Chariots of the Gods, and uh, it's kind of crazy and out there. But it's also just another perspective, and it's not like you have to latch to it and be like, "That's definitely what happened." But I fucking I appreciate. I feel like just hearing what other people are hypothesizing yeah, might have happened views. or something, you know, cause at the end of the day, nobody was alive to necessarily tell the tale. So mm-hmm. even what we find as fact is really just a theory. You know, I, I, I don't know if I sound crazy for saying that, but I'm, you know, pretty sure nobody's still alive. So and the government <laughs> came out and said that, uh, alien, they call them UAPs now unidentified air. I don't know what the UAP stands for. But the government came out and said they they exist. They like yeah, that's last right. year or whatever. Recently, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing, I think they're buttering us up for what's up. Yeah, there's know? some shit. That's, that's what about people to get are dropped. saying. Yeah, and the Bob Lazar shit is like on Netflix and all that. Yeah, like that he shit's pretty supposedly cool. saw some shit. Like worked at some Area 52 type thing or something. Area 51. Yeah, Here, Area 51. Here's the thing I like to think about too. It's it's like kind of bizarre to. I mean, people are entitled to whatever opinion, but I think about this: when, when I'm when you're flying on a plane or something, right? Mm-hmm. You ever fly and you're coming into land and you look over and you're like, "Holy shit!" Like I am like a little small, insignificant little mm. ant, and For like because sure. we think our little world and our bubble is so important, and what we have going on is so important, mm-hmm. and then you get on a plane and you overlook, and you're like, oh, "I'm just a little fucking little, like little, little nothing, piece little nothing," yeah. and then you think about that's just one planet. And then right. you zoom out, and there's fucking who knows how many goddamn planets. Yeah, endless. But so, for like, sure. to me, when you really like, if you just zoom way out, we're and how small we are. That also is like, yeah, it, it's kind of like selfish almost to think like, or to, I don't know, or, or not even like you're entitled to your own opinion, but to like just be like, 
there's no way or something. I don't know. Or to, to, to deny it. You know, I think it's just good to be open-minded to the possibility. Are there people that don't think aliens exist? There's definitely people oh, for that sure. don't think. I think so. A yeah. lot of people in religion. Yeah, oh, right, right, right. I figured out what UAP stands for. Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. Okay. And, Here we go. dude, there's crazy stuff about pilots seeing stuff, and they yeah, there's released, all those like the tapes of what they were saying. Yeah, there's wild stuff. And it's out like there. if those people are saying it, like the guys who like fly like warplanes, yeah, they shit, fly like, all the time. Fucking at this point, they're flying like supersonic jets and shit. I have a question. Do you think Skylar Brent is an alien? <laughs> I don't think so. No, but okay. he could be related. I don't know. You know. Christian Buehling has always been a pretty big alien advocate. Is, and, is he? and he's got this shirt. I don't really know what's up with, like, North Woodstock, New Hampshire, but I think there was some sort of abduction or sighting uh. there. I just I think there's, like, an alien store off the side of the highway or something. Is there? Shit. Yeah. The one down in Moab. He always, oh, is there? Oh, yeah. I've heard of that one. By the gas station there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe you've been chipped, dude. I think I brought him Yeah. They're watching yeah. you. Well, Bodie's, Bodie was a Yeah, Bodie too. said he had... He got abducted. He had a dream. He got abducted, and then he never dreamed again after that. Also, he was two-time writer of the year. So I'm just saying, well, you might want to be getting chipped. And yeah, shut up. I, I mean, I'm down. That's what's up. Probe? Who knows? Who knows <laughs> you were probe chipped, sent back on your way. <laughs> it was. It's blurry. It's a blurry memory. But huh. yeah, <laughs> I do. I did have it, it, the dreams fucked up. There was like really bright lights outside my room as a kid. And who knows? You know, this is the you other thing. You might have seen a, a movie that inspired this 100%. Dream. The other right. thing I also yeah. think With is I, I question everything because they say 50% of your memory is not correct. You I, ever, yes, you, I've heard you that ever, too. You ever been with somebody? You're and just like creating They're, they're telling a story and you were there and you're like, that, is, that didn't happen. Happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's happened it, all the time. It happens all the time. But you're like, wait, did am I, am I the one that like can't yeah, remember? Or are they, or are they the ones us? that are fucking up? But you don't know, you know, unless there's footage. But... You know, most of the time I'm going to argue that I'm right because that's what we do. That yeah, is what yeah. we do. You're entitled to your opinion, but your opinion's fucking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and mine is right. <laughs> that is no. funny, though, when someone keeps telling you a story and you're just like, come on. You're, when you're there, you're like, wait, that didn't happen. But that's how they remember it. Yeah. Or that's how maybe you remember it. Who knows who's wrong there? This just made me think, and this is like way out there, but I think like quantum shit is really interesting. Oh, and I love this. There's like... There's theories of, like, you know, there's multiple dimensions or whatever. So imagine if, like, your memory was getting diluted between, like, dimensions. Or Some <laughs> people share- say dreams are sh- that, too. Yeah, right. You're sharing memories between dimensions or something, and it happened that way in another dimension. Yeah, and that's the, why the you think so. Theory. That's why you feel so strongly about your opinion. You're like, no, it happened fucking this way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you can get buds going on the, uh, what's it called? Which the Hollow Earth one? We no, not to. Hollow Earth. The <laughs> other one, the, uh, the many worlds, the Mandela effect. Oh, the Mandela effect. That's what the basically. This is a this Oof. is a deep. I mean, this, this is, yeah, it's a deep. Have you heard of the Mandela effect? Uh, it sounds familiar. Just but when I'm people not. like believe a certain thing was a certain way, like you could take like maybe your Bueller's hat. Oh, yeah. Like I remember the logo was <laughs> one way, and I can swear by it. But then you go and look at it, and it's not like that. But there's like thousands of people that remember it. Like I remember it. But yet, when you look it up, it's different. And it's for, like, big companies like Ford has one and Star Wars has some shit going on with it. But they think that someone in 2012, when the world was supposed to end, did some shit with the Hydron Collector in Sweden. And it, like, started a new timeline or something. So there's people from different timelines that remember things one way. 
Whoa. Because they're smashing atoms together. They're smashing atoms together trying to create a wormhole, and it, like, messed up. Whoa, whoa. Some shit. But, yeah, if you're ever bored, I mean, who Google knows, Mandela you know? effect, and it'll blow your mind because you'll find yeah, something that, that you latch on to. I love, yeah. I love how this just turned into a sci-fi <laughs> conspiracy theory I love podcast it. Let's real o- quick. But like, open it's it up. weird things. Like, you know when people say, like, hello, Clarice? Yeah. It's from that movie. If you watch that movie, that was never in the silence. Hello, of the Clarice. It was never said, you know? Um, there's ones around. Luke, Jim I'm your Carrey. father or yeah. something like that? Yeah, like, like Darth Vader never said, Luke, I'm your father. There's, really? Yeah, there's all these weird things. That so you're, logo you're it's, almost, it's almost like memories are being injected or something you're saying. Well, it's like you were transported to a new timeline, and in that timeline, he never said, Luke, I'm your father. <laughs> like they smashed atoms together, and the, the guy who made the logo like made it a little different because the, like the timeline it's a different timeline. <laughs> yeah. Or wow. there's music lyrics that changed, like just wild stuff. Whoa. The Skechers logo changed, I guess. There's you, all, we were driving. History is being altered. Yeah. There's Dude, new so, animals so that never existed. We're, we were driving <laughs> to uh, Mount. Where the fuck are we going? Bachelor? Bachelor. And Bachelor. I'm like, Buds, what, what you listen to? And he throws on this pod. And yeah. it's uh, it's fucking dope. What are we talking here? It's about? called theories of the third kind. And they just have. Mm. There's one on the Mandela effect. Nice. But you can listen to it and it gives you like. Every perspective, not just like I'm right. This is my theory. Yeah, it's like a non-biased yeah. explanation. They just tell you the or, facts, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they give you their ideas, but it's pretty sick. They got takes. They always have a take. Yeah, on they the have conspiracy their takes. theories. Wow. And right. sometimes they don't believe them. Sometimes they're like, "No, nope, flat Earth. I don't believe in that one." <laughs> too much. Too much. I've been in a plane. You know, I've seen the Earth curve. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, before this goes full blown conspiracy theory uh, <laughs> pod, we got to change our genres. Well, I think we should maybe wrap this thing up, Parker. What do yeah, you think? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm down. So, uh, you want to throw out any thank yous before we, we get this thing? Um, yeah. Huge shout to like my friends and family, um, all my sponsors: K2 Snowboarding, Van Snowboarding, um, Howell Supply, Eastern Border. Um, Loon Mountain and Brighton, like everybody who's ever supported me on my snowboard, huge shout out and um, honored to be here with you guys and hyped on on talking with you guys today. Well, Parker, Dope. it's been an absolute pleasure coming, chatting with us. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, I want to say it. Thank you to our, you know what I want to do, buds? Thank our team, our bombhole team. We got a crew staff. of awesome people. Our family. That work here. It's our family. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the way from Jules to Rigo, Danny, Kyle, Drake, you know, Chinatown Paul edits every single one of these things. You know, Buds is grinding. If you watch the YouTube uh, video or the listen to the podcast, there's show notes of everything we talked about. Buds puts in a lot of time with those. Uh, everybody works really hard to make this thing happen. So thank you so much uh, to you guys for listening and watching and supporting the bomb hole. It's been a really fun run. And, uh, Over and out from the bomb hole. We will see you next week.